Hello there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out this very special episode, a regrettable and untimely third trip to the WWA, the World Wrestling All-Stars, coming to you from Melbourne, Australia, once again. Hey, just want a quick shout-out to all of our lovely backers over on patreon.com slash apodcast. You know the deal. There's a whole bunch of audio and video goodies. You're guaranteed at least two pieces of new content a month at the $5 level. And if you want to become a $10 backer, there's Q&As. And for $20 backers, there are lovely commentary tracks available as well but for now enjoy this there is an announcement at the end regarding the next episode so keep your ears peeled but it's time to head back to the down underverse of the wwa eruption hello everyone and welcome to the attitude era podcast Bono Epso. Bono Epso. Bono Epso. Hello, everyone, and once again, it's me, your old pal, the Tantric Cowboy Kevin Mann. <laughs> Joined as I am always, down under, by the master of beans himself, Mr. Adam Bibolo. How are you doing for our third trip? Last time it took us a year, yep. this time it's less than a month. Yep. In case it wasn't already <laughs> quite clear, folks, we're doing a bit of WWA while the world is on hold right now. So, yeah, a little bit less of a gap this time around. I'm feeling... I'm... I'm... I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to even pretend, Kevin. I'm so upset. I was really optimistic about this one. I wrote down... You were, you were optimistic after... And I, I will want this to be very much known. The only episode of the Attitude Era podcast, bonus, main timeline, patron-only content, whatever the fuck, it is the only time where we've had to say, no, we have to stop now. That's enough. For our friendship and for our podcast, we're leaving it there. We played video games for 24 hours straight on a camera, including Adam doing an eight-hour shift at a cafe, and that didn't make us say, no, we need to have a little break. Yes. But WWA Revolution certainly did. Yes, but I've heard of a little thing. You may have heard this as well, Kevin. It's a little thing called Third Time's the Charm. And I I had it in my head that the third go round would be, you know, like Matrix 1 was eh, Matrix yeah. 2 was eh, Matrix the, Revolutions. Yeah. Like, Obviously, oh, like, now they've got it. Like, And that's why I expected from this. Now they're making a rainbow for Neo. Now it's my fucking jam here. Right? I'm understanding what's going on, okay? I want to see Neo come face to face with the face of the Matrix, which is made of lots of small robots. So there was a couple of things going for this before we, we delved in. As you mentioned, you know, uh, the world's a bit on fire. And as things stand with our recording setup, we didn't want to motor on ahead through probably some of the most important content that we'll ever do mm-hmm. with the tail end of season four so we're here so there's the convenience factor obviously for wwa there's there's also the fact that this pay-per-view was two hours oh. in length now you did manage to find a version for me that makes sure i was watching the correct version that was a little bit longer so i'd like <laughs> to uh, i'd like to thank you for basically undermining everything good this had going for in the in the first case <laughs> And other than that, I think we had a little bit of feedback from folks who are 
very, very invested in the story of the WWA because yeah. more so than any company, or like even more so than the UK pay-per-views that we've done where you know a lot of our audience is based. Mm. I can't think of the time we've received as much like, oh, let me tell you about this or yep. I was at that and yep. let me tell you, brother. <laughs> we've gotten a lot of fan feedback. Legit, people seem to be a lot more invested in the WWA saga than I expected. And I think it is because, like you said, a lot of folks do actually have some sentiment attached to this. Not necessarily good sentiment, but they do have some sentiment attached to WWA in general. There's a lot of my first wrestling show. Yes. And also my last wrestling show. Uh... Or, or very, very commonly what seems to be my parents' first and last attempt at taking me to a wrestling <laughs> show. Because you're talking about 2002, and while, of course, the wrestling boom has certainly come and gone and we're struggling to kind of reconcile the post-Attitude Era world, you won't be telling that to the paying audience in the UK, Ireland, uh-uh. you know, most of Western Europe, Australia, even New Zealand WWA were getting in on. There was still, in spite of those last two pay-per-views, a fervent audience awaiting... Yep. World Wrestling All-Stars Eruption (laughs) I'm gonna fucking erupt myself Kevin if we don't start talking about what's happened since the revolution here Now of course we're we're sharing the load here as always but I can't help but think what has happened in the intervening months in the WWA story will probably be more substantial than what I have in terms of the canon of St. Andrew McManus as it pertains to 2020. Well, that's it. With part one and part two, we were like, I decided to take the reins on the company research. You decided to take the reins on the McManus research. And that worked well in part one where we had a lot to establish. And then part two, which we recorded like well over a year later, there was this huge update for Andrew McManus. All this crazy shit had been going on. And now part three is only what, like, four or five weeks since we recorded last time please tell me there's been some developments there absolutely has adam yeah okay and i don't want people to think here that just because the time scale is small that i have a masters of research i will have you know okay (laughs) i i I have an m res which means that if there's anyone who can find it it's me right i've scanned the literature and you may think there's nothing to talk about andrew mcmanus right Mm -hmm. but i do have updates on andrew mcmanus and you might think oh but it's nothing to do with the court case anymore kevin well i've got an update about that as well though what (laughs) what would you like to know first an update on the whole scandal the court case Mm. or would you like to have an update on saint andrew himself let's take the court case first and foremost kevin okay in a stunning development in the last few weeks according to the sydney herald where i have been following the absolute biggest crime spree seven hundred thousand dollars excuse me sorry dollary dudes exchanging hands you know we had gamblers personal trainers and a crooked lawyer michael croker at the center of it all mm. who, who he went down and we know andrew mcmanus he, he was remanded in jail but yes. he hasn't went to prison michael croker the head cheese and all this he did go to prison oh. and i can update you all now folks and this was behind a paywall in the telegraph i can update you now <laughs> that michael croker is fearing for his life in prison oh really yeah, he says he's, he's he given an interview and he said he's fearing for his life. Does he does he think that like Andrew McManus is so well connected that there's going to be a bit of a Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> situation going on here? Like... I I think it, it could be an element of that as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> also as well, he was, he's, a, he's a criminal defense lawyer. So uh-huh. I kind of think there might be like kind of a Rorschach element of like thinking like, you know, you're locked in here with me. You know, that type of thing going on. <laughs> that just sounded like Braun Strowman. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there's 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 that on that end of things, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Saint Andrew landed on his feet. He's oh, yeah. now lobbying the Australian government for a full-on return to the Australian Summer Music Festival concerts, which he believes will be able to run completely unhindered in the are era you, of COVID nineteen. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, Adam. There's some simple steps, okay? And I'd usually mm-hmm. try and avoid the COVID chats, but when mm-hmm. it's pertinent to the topic, I won't sidestep it. And it's very important because, look, there's going to be a lot of festivals in Australia. And mm. as Andrew McManus says, as long as only 70% occupancy and everyone downloads the app, mm. then there won't be any sickness. So I don't see why we have to wait any longer. It, so there's an app that can actually prevent you from catching anything. Is that right? No, you to download the app... Right, yeah. mm. and then you go to the concert, uh-huh. but there'll only be seventy percent capacity, and they'll all make sure as well. That's it. You, you oh, you were you you at home going? What's that? They'll make sure, so it'll be all right. <laughs> he really is the Australian Vince McMahon, isn't he? It is, and here's the thing as well. What was difficult about this, folks? All right, and this is where the old research acumen had to come into play. There are so many Australian music promoters who are really? in for shit. There are so many. And it's actually hard to sift through because if you like type in embattled Australian concert promoter, you get all sorts and you have to pan for gold. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's an epidemic over there of sorts. And the epidemic in question may be that you've got a lot of wrongins running any Kravitz shows in your country, Australia. Sort it out. Poor Lenny Kravitz, that his name has forever been forever been tarred with this brush now. Ah, well, there you go. That's what you get to being an acolyte of St. Andrew McManus. <laughs> well, thank you, Kevin, for the update on Andy there. It's good to know that he's still keeping busy. Like. He is keeping busy, keeping safe, you know, making sure that people can enjoy music. That's the, the St. Andrew way. Now, we had a lot of attendees from, like, Glasgow shows. There was a lot of people who wanted us all to know that... Buff Bagwell accidentally said Glasgow, England, or like Glasgow, UK, which following on from me in 2011 when I asked on Glasgow City Radio, Subsidy FM, I was like, do you guys have uh, whisper bars here in England? And I was like, it was my first weekend off the boat. And uh, yeah, not so- Fraser had a better start up in Seattle than I did in fucking in, in, in Glasgow as a result. So where are we at now then with the WWA? We, we went back to Australia here for the eruption. Is yes. the cap in hand, Adam? What's going on? Well, why don't we go, as we did last time, let's go right back to the Revolution and let's take it from there. Funnily enough, the Revolution pay-per-view was very poorly received and the Wrestling Observer newsletter... <laughs> Like two weeks after the pay-per-view, the title of the newsletter was more information on the WWA fiasco. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it has often been said that the World Wrestling Federation is uh, akin to a dream factory. But I think that we could say that the WWA is some sort of a fiasco unit or some such where they just make them at a vast rate. 
honestly, it's it's to the level of comedy now. Like I can't believe how many things keep going wrong and how many things keep being done dodgily. So the pay-per-view was not very well received. No one enjoyed it. It got about 31,000 pay-per-view buys. That's Apparently not bad. They, they wanted 35,000 to break even, so they didn't break even. But it also wasn't a crazy significant loss. You know, it was okay. Well, here's the thing. I mean, people look at that and going to go, oh, what a terrible buy rate and stuff like that. You're talking two, three years' time. If TNA was able to get that, they'd fucking sell their mother to get mm. to get a buy rate like that. You're talking a buy rate there that's actually probably comparable with some of the ECW shows at the time. But like, people don't like to talk about buy rates when it's like stuff we yeah. held in a high regard in the 90s. And that's what happens is when everyone who's involved in wrestling journalism and criticism is now getting into their 50s. So there you go. <laughs> So, Larry Zabisco, who was on the show, but for some reason his promo was cut from the version we watched. Larry that, Zabisco. That was in his capacity as the god of a new generation, was that it? That's right, yeah. The, the segment was, according to Meltzer, better than steroids. But Larry Zabisco and Terry Taylor, who were both on the Revolution show, like working as sort of mouthpiece roles, they didn't get paid. They, they didn't receive what? any money. Uh, they were they were producing as well. I can't imagine they just said, Terry Taylor, interview puppet and don't do anything else. Yeah, I know. There's got to be something else for them to do backstage. McManus claimed, though, it, all it was is because they were late additions to the show. They were so late getting onto the card that they didn't have time to pay them. And their checks are in the mail. It's all going to get straightened out. Don't worry. St. Andy's on the case. Now, the problem is, Andrew, is if you mail a bag of money from Australia to America, I, I would be very surprised if it made it there in one piece. No. <laughs> So obviously one of the big controversies around the Revolution show was that we had people like Nash, Hall and Randy Savage were all advertised for the pay-per-view because St. Andrew had supposedly signed them and then all of them no-showed. That happens in wrestling, you know, sometimes you do get no-shows, you get things fall through, can't be avoided. But DirecTV, the pay-per-view provider, for the replays of the pay-per-view, were still advertising oh, Nash, Hall and Savage. <laughs> I know! Like you like you shouldn't have the feeling of disappointment when you press a fucking button like that. That's so yeah. unfair. Like Honestly. You, like the card is subject to change, okay? But the card has been subjected to a change. Yes. That's a different thing. It's a different yeah. tense. It's already changed and you're selling replays of a show claiming that guys were actually on it when they weren't. Like it's uh, so scummy. Also, Adam, how in the name of God would anyone have gotten paid if Hall, Nash, and the Space Cowboy all showed up demanding their fucking 30 pieces of silver and their That's space true. doubloons? Like, yeah, what's going to go on? They'd have hoovered it up like hungry, hungry hippos. Like, it's for the best that they weren't there. Now, I will say the DirecTV advertisement thing, that is apparently a fault on DirecTV's part. That's nothing to do with St. Andrew. You know, he's a good boy. He's kept his hands clean. He's not advertising people like that. However, he did also come under a lot of fire from the industry in general for the fact that he was already advertising people that he hadn't signed in the first place. So, Andy decided that he was going to go on WrestlingObserver.com. He would phone in and he would do an interview with the guys. Oh, and, Jesus Christ. And almighty. he's going to straighten the whole thing out, okay? What? <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I, I hear, according to Meltzer, that there was a lot of things going on. Is that true? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things... Um, people have been saying some, well, you know, um, well. <coughs> what? You know. So Andy went on and he did an interview. And of course, Meltzer said to him straight away, Australian wrestling promotions have been referred to as a lumbering dinosaur, to which Andy said, ah! <laughs> <laughs> 
No, seriously, Andy went on there to get some good press, straighten this all out, you know, clear the name of Andrew McManus. He said, and he had his lawyer back him up on this. You know, he's Wait, the lawyer ready. was on the call. Lawyer wasn't on the call, but this is all just like, you know. Just popping in here for a second, guys. When Andrew was saying that, he actually meant it in a figurative context. <laughs> so, yeah. He's had legal counsel, and they both insist that there was a verbal contract with Randy Savage and that therefore he should have been at the show all along. And it's not Andy's fault at all that Randy didn't show up. Mm, I know. Verbal contracts, that seems like the flimsiest thing. I feel bad for, for the fans, though, caught between the whims of Randy and Andy, like not knowing which way to look in this instance. I'm just saying there is a St. Andrew. There is not a St. Randall, as far as I'm aware. That's you true. Know. Or a St. Randrew, for that matter. <laughs> so on Wrestling Observer during this interview, Andy swears and he claims there and then, from this day forth, I will no longer ever advertise anybody unless they are signed to a contract. That okay. is the only way people will be advertised on my shows is if they are contracted performers. And he okay. immediately started making phone calls and going around the whole roster trying to get everyone to sign. Because at this point, no one was signed by the sound of it. Like, he'd only just started making offers. But, like, it's not that... That's not the issue. I think, like, there, it's, it's like an administrative thing that he's doing there to kind of, like, close the doors after the horse is bolted yeah. out. Like, you know, it yeah. kind of... It feels like if it's a startup company and it's done, like, two shows or two tours or whatever, as a wrestling fan, even 2020, I'm not going to be like, where are their contracts? You know? Yeah. You know? Like, I, I more actually care that there was just, like, an infrastructure in place with your actual staff who are working for the company as opposed to the wrestler you've hired just to do a shot or whatever yeah it's one thing like though for people like zabisco and terry taylor and whatnot that if they are actually there in like kind of a coaching or any sort of like a logistical like let's make the show as opposed to just do a performance Mm. i feel like they should be on contracts as well because yeah if if wrestling is going to have like i think wrestling could view itself as being like a comedy club or like a music promotion or whatever where you have the actual business and then the artists if it's only a small scale now and then touring operation wwa ain't the wwf and signing people to contracts that you will not be able to fulfill does not make you vince mcmahon yeah and that's it i I don't know why they're doing this whole like we have to get everyone to sign long-term contracts rather than just wouldn't it have been better to have had randy signed for at least one appearance and then you have that one show guaranteed we look we kept our promise here's randy savage but it's all or nothing for them it seems well god so so are we are we going straight then from like we had revolution uk tour and then we're back to australia is that the sequence of events yes we're back to australia they will go to the uk again and we'll come to that in just a moment but first <laughs> uh, andy andy wanted to make it clear as well on this call with the interview he said like very very explicitly that we had this verbal contract me and randy randy should have been at the show and also it's worth noting that when we had this discussion when we made the verbal contract I donated ten thousand dollars to a children's hospital. Okay. I know. I know. Like, shut up. Such a knob. Wow. I mean, that's so strange. I mean, I call it virtue signaling, but I think there might be a lack thereof. Like, so I'm not sure if it's an appropriate use of the term. I mean, I wonder. It's so fascinating because I think wrestling, rightly so, mind and 
triply rightly so in 2020 where even promoters i would have considered to be like oh they know what they're doing turns out they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing I mean, yeah. most wrestling promoters can be accused of not knowing what the fuck that they were doing even at the best of times in in recent years my brother and a lot of my friends who i was in university were involved in kind of like bands in the irish music scene so i got and some of them got signed and you know went on did things da, da, da. so i got to see a lot of the kind of the music management and stuff like that and mm. it's always very interesting to me how like music promoters and music managers and behind the scenes like concert people are held in this kind of honestly mythical but like very highly like a competent regard by the people in and out of the business it feels like or at least the people new in the business and seeing how andrew is not a fish out of water in this wrestling business at all and i know we've talked about how maybe how he was doing things promoting concerts in the 90s in australia isn't the standard business Mm. but there seems to be a lot of like muscle memory for cutthroatedness and corporate fucking backflipping and he just seems to be a perfect fit for this world you hear the uwf like oh herb abrams he was too sweet for wrestling i don't think anyone's gonna say that no way andrew mcmanus no and it just shows i think your wrestling is fucked up yeah but i think we as wrestling fans are very good to be like oh wrestling's so bad because we know we know it's so bad it's in this little dirty hole in the ground and then like every other live event thing is somehow better i think yeah there's a lot of shittiness in all live events wrestling's a particular flavor of that yeah, I, I think like pretty much every industry, cultural or otherwise, has some sort of seedy underbelly. It's just with wrestling, it's a bit more obvious, you know? Yeah, I just, you know, I would think if Andrew McManus was the person that his like, CV in 2002 tells you it is, then all this stuff that's happened, you'd be like, well, fuck that, I'm not going to run another show. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The three top stars that all of you told me were going to you know, be the big thing for my show, and they all no-showed, mm-hmm. and now I'm getting pulled over the coals for not having everyone on contracts like surely most non-crooked surely most non kind of uh freewheeling business people would be like all right that's a red flag that's three red flags i'm done yep whereas andy it just seemed to make him want to try harder i guess like so we got one last little statement here regarding the whole issue with advertising unsigned people There was one person that was advertised for the last show, but wasn't, again, didn't feature. And this person... Stone Cold. (laughs) (laughs) Fresh off retiring from WrestleMania 19. He's here in Australia. Now, funnily enough, when you're talking about the lack of Hall, Nash and Randy Savage, somehow the name Buff Bagwell just slips by the wayside. But Bagwell was advertised for the revolution and he wasn't there. And this is verbatim what McManus had to say. Let me guess, no one complained. (laughs) McManus claimed he had no idea why Bagwell's name was ever advertised. And then this next part is a direct quote. I'm concerned about that. I've got to admit, I'm a little bit mystified about him. I did not want him on my shows anymore after problems on the last tour. How... How he got on the advertising schedule, I'm still looking into. I never offered him a position on the show. And then Meltzer says, however, Bagwell was this past week offered a spot on the April tour. And I believe he will be here tonight at the eruption. So what's going on, Andy? Which one is it? I love that even in 2002, Buff Bagwell was like persona non grata. He's <laughs> the dirt worst. The dirt worst. Like, not even a special tainted poison fucking promotion in the other side of the world that no one knows about. He's not allowed to go there without someone being like, no, 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 no. No, we're not. No, that's not happening here. Like, fucking hell. Okay. Next up, 
we got a bit of an update on Double J for you. Because if you remember, when we started out this whole crazy thing, Double J was the right-hand man. He was the number two in command next to Andrew McManus. I mean, WWA? More like WWJ, am I right? Brilliant. Uh, Double J, Jeff Jarrett, who, if you thought early 2000s TNA featured a lot of Jeff Jarrett in an annoyingly impeachable position of power on and off screen, <laughs> WWA's got your lunch eating there, pals, and he doesn't even fucking own the company. I know, he's just somehow managed to get the stroke without even actually having to invest in it, like... So, Do they, like, believe his character is, like, real? It's like, I got Stoker right here. Like, quickly stop. We only just started the company. He's running from the inside. Give him the belt. Have Brett endorse him as one of the all-time greats. <laughs> so Double J is meant to be Andrew McManus's right-hand man. He's like, they're meant to be fucking tight. But yeah, he's his right-hand man because Jeff has actually stolen the hands of Andrew McManus and <laughs> his nose realises. So if you remember, during Andy's extremely long odyssey to try and court Macho Man Randy Savage and bring him into the company, there was a lot of shadiness, such as things as Macho Man becoming the head booker for a fortnight. And there they was were throwing these... anything at him. Like, yes. it was... It was, Char- it was Ashton Kutcher trying to prove his worth at the end of a season on Shark Tank levels exactly. of uh, you could, you Do you want to meet Demi Moore? Come on, 5%. Demi Moore, come on. Come on. <laughs> she still returns my calls. If she thinks it's for work. It's because it's the last episode of the season and he has to make at least one investment to actually come on for the next season. So he's got to try and get it in there last minute. Come on, Kutcher. There's a minimum buy-in at the Shark Tank, for fuck's sake. <laughs> So, yeah, obviously Andy was trying to court Macho Man and was throwing all these crazy, ridiculous offers at him. And Double J noticed this. Double J noticed that, like, I thought I was the right-hand man and now all of a sudden Macho Man is the new guy around town. And so Double J got extremely pissed off and didn't want anything to do with, like, the booking or anything. He wasn't going to help Andy what? anymore. because you know Because of Randy Savage? Well, and Andy's got Macho Man. You know, if, if you want someone that can consult with you and help you through this industry of ours, you clearly got that in Macho Man. You don't need me anymore, so fuck you. Oh, uh, you know, he's one of those figures, Macho Man. I know we did, like, an episode on how to wrestling, and, like, when I was researching him, it was definitely one of the cases, and... This has happened with a lot of people in wrestling that his passing was so tragic and kind of affected people so emotionally that I think actually asking any questions about like, did people like him actually? Or like, Mm. how did people reconcile the real life madness of Randy Savage with the character? Because you hear all these stories of him being this like, soft-spoken almost terry funk like character yeah. with like you know i want to help put over sean michaels and bret hart and, you know he wants to mm-hmm. actually help the next generation and then you have jared here running for the hills because of just the involvement of randy savage i mean it's weird i know a lot happened to randy in the previous two years mind he went to a certain shade of symbiote alien madness yeah but- I don't know if it was because it was Macho Man that made Double J want to sort of, like, have nothing to do with Andy anymore. I think it's just because it was somebody else. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. It wasn't about who you cheated on me with. It was the fact you cheated in the first place, you know? And then, obviously, everything fell through with Randy Savage. Randy is no longer going to be a part of the WWE. So Andrew McManus predictably comes back to Double J and he's like, hey, what do you think we should be doing about this next show? And Double J now officially doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like, fuck you, you've lost my trust. And apparently... 
as close as a week before the Revolution show, it was uncertain if Double J was even going to be there to defend the title. So Double J, again, is very, very good at working while all sorts of political backstage turmoil is going on and because mm-hmm. his character is so kind of egregiously disagreeable that you don't even notice. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow, fucking hell. So... Jared is not here tonight on the eruption, only in a very small, almost cameo capacity. Is this more yep. bad blood then? This is less bad blood and more that Double J, clearly one of the things that appealed to Double J about the WWA was here's a chance for you to have a bit of sway. You can be involved in the management side of things, maybe. And things clearly aren't going to go that way for him here because Andrew McManus is so fickle. But hey, what's this over here? TN, what's that? Oh, maybe I can help those lads out with something instead. That's so interesting because... You know, the history of how TNA started, the involvement of Jeff, Jerry, Russo, a lot of figures who were kind of, Jarrett was hoping to, to latch onto. It, it will be interesting to see as we go along, because I know that the companies, I'm not sure if they merge, but I always say the, the history of the WWA and early days TNA becomes interwoven soon enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see how these two... These two companies are essentially trying to do the same thing, except WWA is trying to be a world touring kind of company. Yeah. So I see this like alternate universe where Ed Miliband is prime minister and WWA and TNA are working together with TNA producing American TV and WWA touring around the world. And mm. that obviously doesn't come to pass. So obviously shit's going to go down at some point with Double J. Yeah. I will say, yeah, well, we can get more into that in the future, I guess. But I yeah. do think that by the next pay-per-view, WWA is officially in association with TNA, I believe. And are we three out of five now in terms of pay-per-views? This is three out of five. This is us officially at the midway point now of the WWA saga, Kevin. We're only <sighs> halfway. Think of all of your favourite five installment franchises. And uh, I'll give <laughs> let's all just take a moment to think of those now. Terminator is that fight? No, it's probably like six or seven by now. I think, isn't there? No, no, mate. For me, it's a uh, Star Wars original trilogy and Episode mm. One and Two because it ends at Attack of the Clones, as far as oh, I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, the uh, story was complete there. Worthy of you, Shakespeare, that story. You end on your strongest, you know. Wait, so. no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on. There was Predator, Predator Two, Predators with Adrian Brody, The Predator. Ah, oh, that's a quadrilogy, mate. Fuck that's it. That's a quadrilogy. Fuck it. We need some centilogies over here. <laughs> and no, best of five series matches don't count either. <laughs> okay, Double J, things aren't going so great. It looks like he's probably not going to be on the eruption, so we'll have to figure that out soon. But speaking of the eruption, we need to start advertising. We need to start letting people know what kind of stars they can expect to see on our next pay-per-view tour. So... Andrew McManus, remember, he made that pledge on WrestlingObserver.com. He solemnly vowed, from this day on, I will only advertise wrestlers that are signed to contracts with the World Wrestling All-Stars. He started advertising the following names. Let me guess, the two two fruits, uh, Lenny and Lodi, (laughs) uh, who else? All all the big names, Puppet and Theo, those are signed. Starrettes, we got them all in a 20-year legacy deal with an option to buy out for equity in WWA later on. Okay, so appearing tonight on today's episode of the AE Podcast, The Eruption, we're going to be seeing the stars such as Sid Vicious, (gasps) Disco Inferno, Jeff Jarrett, Road Dog, Mm -hmm. Buff Bagwell, Stevie Ray, Jerry Lynn, 
Eddie Guerrero, okay, Rey yeah. Mysterio, Whoa. Scott Steiner, Brian Christopher, Sabu, Chronic, Devon Storm, okay. Ernest the Cat Miller, Hooven yeah. 2 Guerrero, and the front row Nathan Jones. He's back, baby! Here he is, back on AE Podcast. Nathan Jones is here again. According to Dave Meltzer, none of these people had signed a contract with the WWA. Not even Nathan Jones! They hadn't even got front row signed, Kevin. Are you telling me that the Australian superstar, the Colossus of Booger Red Road, and the man who is currently the WWA World Heavyweight Champion defending in Australia... Is not yep. signed to a deal with this Australian company. No. No, he's how? not. How? How? I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea how this keeps happening at this you point. You know why? It's probably because, if, I, if I'm actually thinking now, we're at like, we're roughly around the point of WrestleMania 18 or a little bit before then in the timeline here. And mm-hmm. I know that a lot of the names that you mentioned here are people who would then show up, like Rey Mysterio, he shows up in WWE. You know, Nathan mm-hmm. Jones, he shows up in WWE, forgettable as it was and brief mm-hmm. as it was. And I wonder if, like the XWF, if WWE setting itself to be a global phenomenon has accidentally made itself into a bargaining chip for wrestlers. It really feels like it, yeah. Because just about <laughs> everyone of note that comes through the doors here will be in WWE within a couple of months. Like, How do you think Josh Matthews got signed that fat juicy contract yeah he, he walked in there with that xwf offer on the table and they're like hi folks i'm josh matthews and i hate everyone you're fucking signed mate get velocity. <laughs> while you mention xwf there is a small part of me like 10 percent of me that is holding out hope that ian harrison will still crop up on one of these shows one day it um, could happen now what i'm hoping for is like when wccw and awa and like all the small territories started really dying hard in like 85 86 and they're like let's pool all our resources and do like a special inter-promotional war i want the xwf wwa best of seven series oh yeah? my god the team battle folks the points sabisco knows how it's done <laughs> he did it in awa <laughs> so Speaking of the British Storm, Ian Harrison, WWA had a British Storm of their own planned because they were going to do another UK tour in the May of 2002. They hit up some more dates, three of which, three major cities, Glasgow, Birmingham and Manchester, all already had WWF shows advertised to be coming mere weeks after when WWA was planning on going there. Wow, he's pulling a Vince McMahon on Vince McMahon. Yeah, but clearly like, does he think if we get there a few weeks before WWF, everyone will just be impatient and think, ah, wrestling, I'll spend all my money on this wrestling show because it's here now. Like, I think is that's, that what he thinks? I think it shows a lack of understanding. I mean, a, a total lack of understanding of how like ticket sales for shows like that work here because it's not as if, like, in I can remember what it was like in 2002, hoping and, you know, not my prayers rarely have ever been answered that wrestling would come anywhere in 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 the town mm. or any. I mean, where I, I lived an hour and a half to two hours away from Dublin, so even if mm. a show did come, it was going to be like a fucking ordeal to get there as as a kid. And yeah, maybe in the eighties, if you're running Philly a few more weeks before WWE and people are walking up to buy their tickets and it's ten dollars mm. a pop or their paper in it. Whatever, yeah, but as we all know, that kind of... Those practices, by the way, killed the fucking... Not just the territories, they killed the actual market for wrestling across the East Coast of America. Oh, yeah, it's like... It's how ECW is able to start, because 
there had been a period of like five to six years where they had just been taken for granted and people ran shows over and over and over again until there was nothing left. Hey Chicago, if we didn't have a pandemic right now, there may be a similar thing happening with the wrestling ticket scene there. <laughs> because Jesus Christ, I don't know how many more AEW, NXT, PWG, head to 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 heads we can watch. I think it's stupid for Andrew because what would happen is if I wanted to go to see WWF in Manchester you maybe would have gotten it for a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then there's no way you're going, oh, right, there's one a few weeks beforehand. Let's go to that too. They're not going to spike your own fucking trip. You know, no one's going to... It doesn't work like that here. Wrestling's too much of a rarity for you to undercut someone. Exactly. The people that were going to see the WWF show had already had their tickets for a long time at this point. And if they hadn't, you've got the choice there of like, hey, do you want to see Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog, Or do you want to wait another three weeks and get to see like Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, like actual stars? Like... Well, I don't, according to this WWE poster, all of those gentlemen will be showing up on this show anyway. <laughs> Maybe just to test the town out before the WWE come in. Okay, we're nearly there now. We're nearly there. So obviously Jeff Jarrett, Like we said, he can't be there due to TNA commitments, so he drops the belt to front row Nathan Jones. And Eddie Guerrero, who has been advertised on the WWA tours as a former WWF middleweight champion. Eddie Guerrero. Yep, that's right. Fucking hell. Eddie Guerrero has been offered big money from WWE, and St. Andrew says that, oh, well, actually, we did have Eddie signed. Eddie is a signed contracted WWE performer. Promise you, we've signed him. But the money that they're offering him is so big that it wouldn't be fair to keep Eddie here. So we're going to release him from his contract so that he can go to WWF and make lots more money. Oh, God. And he was like one of two people who got a storyline as well on the last show as well. I know. I know. Let's hope they don't use that storyline for anything. And the last thing I have here for us, this isn't really a piece of information or news. I just figured it was worth noting. Mm. Dave Meltzer went on Mark Madden's radio show and Mark Madden said to him about the WWA, I was there. Trust me, it will never work. Oh, I thought the quote was, I was there and you weren't. (laughs) You weren't there, Dave Meltzer. But the reason I mention that is because that quote alone did sort of give me a little buff of like, oh, come on, WWA. I just want WWA to succeed now just to shut him up, like, you know. So, WWA, we've already had two shows where it feels like even for two boys who've watched their fair share of clunkers and heroes of wrestling and everything in between, they seem to reach new heights of particularly bad how-to-not-run-a-wrestling-showness. So, third time's the charm, we're back in Australia. Adam, check the volcanoologists. It might be time for an eruption. Another slap in the face, I know this time of the year as a revolution. Okay, well, if, if we're getting right into this now, then I, I, I've i actually brought a whole pot of coffee with me today, just because I oh, knew no. this was going to be a long one. Like. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be big. You're going to need two okay. cups of coffee this morning for this one, Adam. Uh, so how, how are we going to kick this off then, Kevin? We're going to start things off as we mean to go on with many attempts, again, to replicate the feel of an actual wrestling show. And Mm. WWA must be praised for its earnestness in trying to present something that it definitely cannot. With the the limo, we get two or three limo shots tonight. Lots of backstage stuff. 
but a big old limmy pulls up and out comes Jeff Jarrett inexplicably travelling in a limousine in a sleeveless t-shirt that's three years old. <laughs> well, well, well. Who we got here? Jeremy Boris, Jimmy Barons, and Andrew McManus. The top <gasps> WWA brass. Oh my God. Episode three, St. Andrew is a character. He's right there. And he was in episode one, if you remember. He delivered a letter from Medasia, but he didn't have a lot to say. He was he was he was just kind of there just to let it was like how they would point out Dixie Carter and Jerry yes. Borash goes, Well, our CEO is not a billionaire. She's the daughter of a billionaire. <laughs> 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 so yeah, Jeff Jarrett is basically like, I'm here. And they're like, No, no, no. You can't he be goes, here. Right, well, I'm out of here. I'm the chosen one. I'll be back. What, like on another flight? Or like... What's... So in kayfabe, St. Andrew did not want one of his biggest stars to appear on the show. Is that because, look, Jeff, you didn't sign your contract. You're not going to show up here. And on my word, I may just be an old man, but on my words, I said that I wouldn't let anyone wrestle tonight without a contract. Imagine if an Attitude Era, like, 1998 September pay-per-view opened up with Austin arriving and Vince McMahon being like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't like you anymore, pal. Off you go. And then he literally didn't appear all evening. Like, <laughs> This is more like if Triple H and DX showed up in late 99 because, <laughs> like, he's meant to be a baddie. And, like, it's as if McMahon is Borash and Barons, who I didn't recognize, but I guess he's another no. bag man. They weren't meant to be, like, a threat. Like, they were, like... You know, Vince and Shane and Linda were in late 99. They're just kind of like, hey, we're running the company. Please don't ruin it. Yeah. And Double J <laughs> knocks them over on their keysters as well. Yeah. And uh, we start off, I was hoping we would get, uh, you know, eruption. Yeah. yeah. But no, we just have revolution again with its fitting lyrics. Another and slap, slap in, in the, the face. face. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that line in my head since I watched it. I literally, I've been walking around like making dinner, like another slap in the face at any time of the year. The revolution. Oh god! So we have our intro, which is the same intro, we, like exactly the same intro from Revolution. Yeah. And I'm going to try and not bear on the exact mistakes that were made last time around. Mainly mm. because in this much shorter show, we still managed to have all the previous mistakes yeah. and new ones as well. Yes. You know, I look back and listen to earlier episodes of the ITR podcast. I'm sure everyone who has a podcast goes back and does this. He has to do something from five or six years ago and you go, Jesus, mm -hmm. that's not the audio I would have wanted. And there's even times where the audio got better and then we had to start recording in like you know people don't realize most of season one the tail end was recorded in hostels and dead yeah. granny rooms so we had a bit of up and down <laughs> with the audio quality at the best of times but at least i feel we've settled on something of touchwood oh that would affect the audio but <laughs> we've arrived on something of a consistency to the point where how do you go to your third pay-per-view adam mm -hmm. back home in australia and the audio is worse. Yeah. So much worse, mind. I mean, I really feel like one of the biggest disappointments with WWA, because like you said, about even our audio and our production quality as ourselves, we started off kind of poor, got okay, and then kind of found our way into like a nice level sort of medium of nice quality. 
WWA, if you remember rightly, the, the biggest thing we had about the Inception was, this is an amazing production. It mm. looks great. It sounds great. And then since that first one, it has been a steady downhill decline because this is yeah. atrocious tonight. It, it kind of feels like when you do a few things well and then you try desperately to fix the things that you don't do well, you let all the things that you originally did well go by the wayside. Yep. And in a wrestling show, I don't know how many times I've seen it where the production, like just all of the production seems to be like, ah, someone will sort that out. Like, taken for granted. Like, mm. I will play you a little clip now of the audio starting us off here. Certainly. You gotta wonder. Sid Vicious here tonight making a return to pay-per-view. We're looking forward to seeing what brand of explosiveness, to use the word again, we're gonna see from Sid Vicious. Well, I wonder what Sid's got on his mind. I mean, the last time he was in the ring, he broke his leg, so... Should be interesting to see Sid Vicious back in action here. All right, let's take it down to ringside for our opening contest. And, like, even if you get into a real player fucking mind frame, like, it's Windows 95, <laughs> I've learned how to stream, you know? Yeah. Even in that mindset, this, it hurt to listen to. It absolutely yeah. did. This is, honest to God, one of the most uncomfortable watches we've ever done for the podcast, simply from a grating point of view. Like, this, I would put it on maybe worse than Heroes of Wrestling, because I feel like with Heroes of Wrestling, a lot of that production problems you could easily excuse by saying, ah, oh, well, there's only the one VHS copy of this, and it's really bad, yeah, and yeah. it sounds very bad. This, I think this is entirely down to the original broadcast itself. It's so shoddy. There are things that... Even watching all... I mean, I watched this December to Dismember last month. You know, we, we've mm. done so much bad wrestling recently. And something that has stood out to me a lot, and we mentioned on the last WWA episode about how much this shonky production gives you the empty arena wrestling, COVID-19 wrestling vibes yeah. or like an awkwardness and whatnot. And I was fist pumping the air when I watched... Halloween Havoc in ECW December to December 06. I was like, yay, wrestling at least. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, if I didn't feel like, geez, I might want to watch a bit of Raw or AEW or NXT or fucking something after this. Because again, it was grating. It just, it went against all the little things in wrestling that you didn't even know that you enjoyed. Like set design in wrestling. You can give me a black, you can give me a black curtain and I'd probably be fine, Adam. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This is Andrew McManus's kid's science project. Honestly. There's a big volcano made of curtains. Yeah. Legit. This is, this volcano is like fucking primary school play levels of dreadful. I can't believe that's on the stage of a fucking like multinational wrestling company. At least last time when we had our flappy fireworks, we had a nice line of them. This time it seems like there's half the amount and it's like Alan Partridge level, you know, at a fireplace oh. conference going, eruption! Mm. And all this like, crap comes out. And very much that volcano was something that was meant to look a lot better than the red curtains that it was. It gave me big Memphis wrestling vibes. Tagar the Volcano Lord. Oof. And I'm coming for you, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> I had strong hopes that at the very least, they could justify it by having an amazing, crazy spot involving the volcano at some point in the evening. No. Nope. We do not get that. Or even some dry ice coming out of the volcano, like the cheap fireworks. Something. Like, I would really question the use of your set piece when they spend around five minutes of this fucking curtain this flap of fabric shooting out fireworks and all it does is make the crowd go from like a nine no it makes the crowd go from like a seven to a four in terms of anticipation because <laughs> they're like like they're all there looking at this thing going well if that's 
That's the rah-rah fireworks. That's the alleged yep. pyro and ballyhoo that we hear about. Mm-hmm. Then there's not a lot to look forward to tonight. JB as well, after the eruption goes off, he goes, yeah, certainly the eruption, folks. Oh. JB is through gritted teeth here tonight. He's seen he's seen the green fields of TNA, Adam, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, last, last time we did one of these, we both sort of made the kind of semi-prediction that maybe JB wouldn't be around for the eruption because there was a few moments last time where the mask slipped and we could see, like, oh, the company man isn't so happy here after yeah. all. Tonight, he's not even hiding it. He looks fucking miserable. Yeah, he's handed in his notice, like, you know, this, this is what it yeah. feels like here. This is this is the sassiest JB possible, which means that he's slightly less annoying Josh Matthews. <laughs> and who's with JB tonight, Kevin? It's everyone's favourite commentator, and either, depending on your viewpoint, the smartest dumbass in wrestling, or the dumbest smart person in wrestling, <laughs> it's Disco Dickface. There is literally directly behind him a fan with a big yellow sign that says disco dickhead and it's there for so much of tonight like all right i need to need to level with you folks we get some excellent fan art uh, particularly on the, our patrons over patreon.com slash a podcast send us oh in some, God, yeah. some gold and there's sometimes where we're left with something that we literally don't know what to do with and to the fine gentleman who spent a nice bit of time doing us a beautiful piece of art of disco dick face literally imagined as as described and then we're there sitting going where can we upload this because like we can't. Uh, <laughs> it was, what's even better about that is as well as the person that sent it it wasn't like they just dropped it on our doorstep they sent you a message on patreon being like hey guys i've made some fan art but i don't know where's the best place to send what it so then like? we we get all excited like oh here comes some fan art and it's disco inferno with a penis on his face yeah the, the private message behind a paywall of someone saying hey you want to see some fan art is very much the brown trench coat like to see it in there instead <laughs> <laughs> DM us, we'll show you Disco Dickface, it's fine. JB, he's kind of a little bit marble-mouthed tonight, not helped really greatly by the audio quality being quite Mm. poor, and their audio cuts out quite a few times throughout tonight. He, I think, says we're looking forward to seeing the matches, but as JB does in his own style, goes, certainly we are looking forward to seeing Madden here tonight. And I was like, wait, whoa, 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 fuck off. What? Are you you hyping Madden? Is he going to come out of the volcano? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you never made igneous rock i did for fuck's sake big big shout out to all the private messages as well we're like yeah he's a dickhead <laughs> you <laughs> you just say it quietly behind closed doors yeah there's someone who's like i live in pittsburgh and he's the worst i hate him i hate him why won't he stop <laughs> solidarity folks fucking solidarity now i will say adam they did get me a little bit hyped up with some of the announcements here because mm. the lone highlight, I would say, in Ring of Revolution, other than some of the spectacle with Sabu and Devon Storm, was the Cruiserweight six-man opener. Yes, And true. then telling me at the start of this two-hour show that we have a tournament tonight to crown the Cruiserweight International Champion for WWA. And I was yeah. like, all right, that means, what, minimum three matches will be dedicated to the division I think is actually pretty good? Fine. Mm-hmm cool and also the main event front row nathan jones and scott steiner oh baby the definition of slapping man meat right there (laughs) fuck me (laughs) oh my god i was here for that i was pleasantly hyped up at the start of this show okay that's 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 nice let's see how that goes 
And start as we mean to go on. Another limo shows up. Who could be inside? It's Sid Vicious. I like the shot here. This is a good shot. Yeah. You had the limo roll open. And WD were great at doing this. Where you open it up. And like, who is it? And you see mm. a cane come out first. And it's like, whoa, Ooh. hang on a second. And who do we see but Psycho Sid dressed inexplicably like Jacob Rees-Mogg in the most double-breasted suit you've ever seen. No, wait, no. He we- He's wearing a suit later when he comes out. Here, when he arrives in the limo, he's wearing, like, slacks and, like, a sort of a grey Hawaiian shirt. I swear to God, he comes out, like, wearing casual Sid clothes and then changes into a suit for his big announcement. He's a Tony Soprano golf course outfit here, I think, is what he's at, like. <laughs> or, or when you swap to Michael and you've played as him in a while in GTA, like, he's wearing this, like... Oh, <laughs> all right, uh, do it all over again, I guess. <laughs> now... Commissioner Sid Vicious are three words that I never thought I'd be saying on this or any other podcast. Wow. I mean, he's a hell of a guy to have on the mic, Kevin, so it makes sense to me. Just so we know the context here, and this was something that is kind of wrestling lore, and I Mm. remember in the early days, like the very early Botchamanias before they were even the Botchamanias that, that Matthew made... Stevie Knight, he, that's a name that I've never heard in a while. But like in, in those early days, I remember the leg break from Sid in WCW. Mm. It was on Ebam's World. It was on Newgrounds. It was on You the Man Now. It was everywhere. Yeah. It was like the wacky wrestling clips. Look at his leg. It went all wobbly. And Sid is a fucking, is more than a handful, as we've learned on season four so far. Yeah. Probably one of the most grotesque, harrowing injuries ever just visibly in ring on like a mainstream worldwide like american production it's Agreed. sick oh god and 16 months later i think it is and here's yeah it's, yeah it's not far over a year and he's here now on a cane back to work he's he's different like you know when you know when someone is like kind of like you know when certain wrestlers they've had a, a, a life-changing injury and even when yeah. they do kind of make it back afterwards or they're an on-screen character or whatever it is, you can just kind of you mentally have the before and after. And 16 months later, Sid Vicious here, he looks like he looks like an old man. Like, And I'm not saying that to, to have a pop at him. It just he looks like he's in fucking agony. It's 16 months mm. later, the limp. And I don't think Sid Vicious is the kind of guy to, you know, ham up a limp. No, it's, it's a false equivalence and it's definitely completely different circumstances, but the vibes, like the feeling I got from Sid here tonight reminded me of when the Ultimate Warrior did that haunting promo on Raw, like the week before he passed away and everyone was like, mm. it's the Warrior, but there's something, mm, something's a little off and not right something here. Something inescapably sad about him and we don't just yeah. mean the man's ingrained homophobia and uh, ableism and whatnot. Way. <laughs> but Adam, the Ultimate Warrior is not up there. Anyway. <laughs> hey, mate, they named the Warrior Award after him. He's got to be up there, okay? Yeah, the, the Warrior Award, which is located downstairs in Stamford, Connecticut. So, yeah, Sid is our commissioner. More on that later. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. We cut to JB, who's wearing a turtleneck tonight. Interesting choice mm-hmm. for a long pay-per-view. You're going to overheat. And yeah. Disco Inferno, who could be generously described as looking miserable right here. Yeah, he does not want to be doing this, clearly. Again, let's get all the positives out of the way at the start. Adam, here's a question for you. Who's that ring announcer? Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Wrestling fans around the world, my name is Mark Erickson. Welcome 
to the Rod Laver Tennis Centre here in Melbourne, Australia. The World Wrestling All-Star, Wrestling Extravaganza. I haven't a blues clue who this fella is, but I fucking love him. I am obsessed with this ring announcer. Like, look look how big I wrote, who's that ring announcer? <laughs> that is a who's that Pokemon-sized font right there. And you know what I love most about it is that the ring announcer, inexplicably, as I was literally in the room going, who's that ring announcer? goes, hello, everyone. My name is Mark Erickson. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mark Erickson, who was unfortunately one of those names where when I tried to Google him and all the permutations of his name, I found literally nothing. I found one mm. GeoCity site that listed him as a local ah. boxing announcer slash promoter who would have, you know, been in the circles or whatnot in the kind of small pool of Australian wrestling. Mm. And he looks like he's not up to the job. He looks like kind of like... He has pub landlord energy in that he's up for a laugh and all that, but you want a loved one to tap him on the shoulder going, are you sure you want to do the karaoke now? It's been a long shift and you've had nine pints. I know you say you- he looks like he's not up to the job. I'll go one further, Kevin, and say he's not up to the job. <laughs> he says the World Wrestling All-Star Wrestling Extravaganza. And that the, world, the, 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 the World Wrestling Association... All Sports, All All Stars Association, Extravaganza. He accidentally called it World Wrestling All Sorts, like it's fucking Nick (laughs) Slickrish. He's obviously there to bring the fire and a little bit of that oomph. He's meant to be kind of like Michael Buffer, I think they're going for, because he's like, Ladies and gentlemen, the World Wrestling All Star, All Star Wrestling, Sports Travaganza, Ganja, Ganja, Eruption! He fucking passes something. Gaskish, Mm. winds, solids, I don't know. Kidney stone. But that eruption, that caused an emission. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) He has never done this before, I would suggest, Adam. Doesn't seem like it, no. It seems like he's very new to this. He introduces the announcers. I know, and they don't want to be introduced. They're, all, They're pissed off. They were obviously meant to get, like, you're into like a Raw or a SmackDown or whatever, and it's like, here's Michael Cold. Before the cameras go on. Before the cameras go on. That was obviously meant to happen. He goes, please, at this time, welcome the voice of the world wrestling all sorts, JB. And literally when he says that, he goes, Oh, feedback and then he goes and his broadcast colleague disco inferno who gets some booze and then he just quietly goes we're here already what's he doing i know (laughs) we cut back to the announcers and jb is looking right in the camera going "Mm, mm, mm," as if to say my mic is broken and then we go in the greatest marvelously strange fuck-ups ever that I can't believe is throughout the show. I think there's a 20-minute window where it stops. But at this point, where JB is looking into the camera, pleading with his eyes, my microphone is broken, my headset is not working, and Mm. all of a sudden, the response to this is to pipe the truck audio, the production truck audio, onto the main headsets. We hear everything from the producer's all night long now, bar a brief window later on. So you've got JB looking into the camera, Disco Inferno looking sad, and a producer going, go to the match! 
Music, let's go! How? How does that happen? That is the most shambolic beginning to a wrestling show ever. The fireworks, mm. mm-hmm. the inexplicable commissioner, the fucking yep. volcano, the Mark Erickson, the all sorts, the yep. audio. The, oh my God. Genuinely, like no hyperbole, no exaggerating. That is the worst start to a wrestling show we've ever seen on this podcast. We cut back to JB and Disco and JB is mouthing, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. But it's not okay, is it though, Adam? It's not okay. (laughs) It's going to be a long night for JB. JB, who's got big, my mam's gotten the dish she didn't want and has sent it back and they didn't do much better the second time. It's fine. It'll be okay. (laughs) Starting things off, genuinely excited. AJ Styles, Nova, one-on-one cruiserweight tournament. Yes, fucking please. Yep, that's that is a very appealing start to the show, mm-hmm. and it was immediately marred by the fact that I realised that this would be a great combination. There'd be some very interesting stuff to see in this matchup if you could properly see it, because honestly, the actual image quality and the sound quality, everything at this point had already gotten to be so bad that I was like, I literally will not enjoy any of this. I knew straight away I wouldn't be able to appreciate any good wrestling, good grappling, good spots. Nothing would be enjoyable here because the presentation is so hard to look at. And it says something that I think the version that you and I watched was probably out of the three pay-per-views, the highest quality version, just in terms of the actual video quality of Mm. the file that we were watching. Whereas I would say... The production, as in the lighting on the night, the camera work on the night, it's easily the worst. I think there's been a lot of employees jettisoned or roles merged into one. There's a lot less camera angles and what you see is murky. The white balance is off. Between Mm. cameras, the coloration is off. Like, I don't notice this fucking shit at all. And if I'm noticing it, I can imagine it would be unwatchable for a media man such as yourself. Yeah, it's fucking hideous. JB's microphone is working, but it now sounds like he's broadcasting from an air control tower. Seriously, like, this is what I mean. How are we meant to be able to enjoy any of this? I know, and why are you preempting it? There's action coming up later on that will literally be like two Airbuses turning in the night. (laughs) Adam, will Nova be a cartoon character here? Oh god, he's the cartoon character, isn't he? I forgot about that, a little more serious now. He's not, though. He's not, because here's the thing, folks. Any character work from the last show is out the window, because the likes of Jerry Lynn, Nova, anyone who was given a character, it has been thrown by the wayside so they can get the fans going. Because Nova's meant to be the heel, the serious, not a cartoon character. And he's coming mm-hmm. out going, come on! Woo! Let's fucking hear you, Melbourne! Because the he fuck? knows that the, if he doesn't do it, the show's going to die a death. So yeah. he, he, he basically gotta. pivots it to a face versus face match in the opening. <sighs> Just straight audio from the truck. Nova and AJ Styles are both pricks in their own ways. And still, the crowd don't feel like... I don't feel like they deserve to be given this right now. They've already proven that they don't want to watch wrestling. The stuff is incredible that they do. Yeah, like I say, there is a part of me that can look at this objectively and say like, oh, that sequence was very good. Or the wrestling here is of a very good quality. Mm. But to actually enjoy it is nigh on impossible. It's always worth bearing in mind, as someone who spent, you know, last month watching a lot of AJ Styles stuff from all different points in his career, that he's someone who was like, firing on all cylinders bar maybe one or two little things right from the get-go and seeing like Mm. this 
unlimited potential young 20-something AJ in there with, you know, also similarly unlimited potential, but a bit more of a seasoned veteran in Nova. I mean, that's like, that's where magic is made in wrestling. If not there, where, you know? Yeah, and legit. I got to see some moves that I'd never seen before or since. There was an amazing, like a powerbomb that Nova turned into like a flapjack. Like it looked like the X-bomber the, from the uh, No Mercy or whatever. It was incredible stuff. And AJ's selling was really, really great. Like, it feels like these guys here are determined to do the job that the volcano should have done. <laughs> and pop the fucking crowd. We get a cool submission move from Sonova, which is called the Twisted Sister. Not to be confused with Jim Ross's finisher, the Kiss Your Sister submission hold. <laughs> Nova misses a big swanton bomb, does a dozy doe. We have a series of pinfall and reversals and roll-ups that gets AJ doing the Styles Clash. And genuinely, one of the most amazing things about this is seeing, like, a fucking cynic like Disco Inferno, who's always burying the younger guys and always burying the vanilla midgets brother, mm. him literally being like, whoa, what the fuck was that? I didn't see that. Yeah. And, like, them seeing stuff that they're jealous of and they can't steal is really <laughs> yeah. fun. So, AJ, they say he advances to Jerry Lynn and Chucky. And is he facing the winner or both of these in triple threat? Well, that seems a bit unfair. Who's here now, Adam? Huh? It's everyone's favorite future airline hostess and big Papa Pump himself. Scott Steiner's here in Australia, and he's not taking the commute well. No, he's he's here. He's officially having a match tonight instead of just beating people up. And more importantly, yeah, Medasia has finally made it to the WWA as well. And here's my deep cut here, folks. From Medeja's appearance here and throughout her time in the WWA, despite the fact that she's meant to be like almost like kind of a China strong silent type, the valet who is seen and not heard from and kind of mysterious and scaly. She's got an ear to ear grin all night, which leads me to believe that Medeja just likes traveling. Aww. Hence why she got into she, that's why she got into the airline industry after this week. She's like, I had a great time going to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just get into that. We have some star at action coming up. And how appropriate it is that the, the artist they dance to this time is garbage, Kevin. Way. I will say about the starettes, just solely from a presentation standpoint, they are a lot sexier and revealing than last time as if someone said, that's too family friendly and let's make it a little more Nitro Girls and a little less Bewitched. Yeah, we want, we want to be a little bit more way and a little less. Mm. It, it's a lot more like XFL cheerleaders than Nitro Girls yeah. this time around, I think. Yeah. You know. So, uh, interestingly, they explore the space. They dance all around the ringside and up the ramp. Mm-hmm. And JB goes, a lovely starrets. We bring them around with us on the road. And then he goes quiet for five minutes. <laughs> Jesus. And I'll tell you what, folks, the only thing worse than there being constant chat of, like, announcers going, Whoa, baby! Or, ow! Look at the tomato call! Woohoo! Yaha! The only thing worse than that is silence for five minutes, and then JB, on his own at the end, going, Oh, yes. <laughs> it was short, and the only time we saw the Starrettes tonight. That's true, so. it's their one appearance this evening, yeah. Right, now, we have an issue with the WBA tonight, and it's one of the worst ones. Despite the fact this show is running in at a trim two hours 15, and that's the extended cut with the deleted scenes that we've got featuring St. Andrew. Mm. Even with that, there is a lot of padding here tonight, and they are attempting to emulate the production of a WWE or a WCW show. Even WCW 
when they tried in the 2000s to get into the video package and storyline recaps and they were really bad compared to WWF. Mm-hmm. So the WWF always does very well, I think, or better than most. WWE do not know how to do a recap package. Nope. They have made fan music videos is what they've done right here. Like, it's always just piece of music, black and white footage, no narration, no help. Fuck you if you want to figure it out. And when you have access to the Tantric discography, (laughs) right, which I'm not saying is going to have a My Sacrifice, but it will have something eh, more or less My Sacrifice. You know, folks, I'm sure we can all agree there's a Tantric song that sounds a little bit like My Sacrifice that I'm sure they would have been delighted to have there. (laughs) But instead we have this... 10 15 second loop is it if that where it goes it's like uh these the music in godzilla 1998 edition with uh Matthew Matthew Broderick. Broderick. It's a, yeah it's a led zeppelin bit isn't it like, cashmere cashmere that's it yeah yeah it's also uses sabu's entrance music and for four other video packages here tonight oh sorry i thought you meant and sabu used cashmere at one point because that would be fucking bad no, no, no. No, no, this is 10-second loop, which is used throughout the night. And this video package is three minutes long. It is every single thing Jerry Lynn did at the last pay-per-view set to... And it's basically saying Jerry Lynn's a bit of a fucking meanie. Because it's him beating on Guerrero after Guerrero did his big apology and all that. There is nothing of this tonight. No, nothing. Nothing. And I I can't believe they went out of their way to include like a 90-second, two-minute package here of one of the biggest stars they had who has now fucking left and they're recapping us on the story of him last month in Eddie Guerrero. you say Jerry Lynn ran Eddie Guerrero out of WWE. You say yeah. anything right off your fucking characters. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Like, in some way, shape, or form. We cut back to Disco Inferno and JB, who are both eye-deep in their notes. Like, just yeah. completely looking at them. Fuck me. I come the commissioner. It's time for SIDS. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Disco's like, who made him commissioner? I'll tell you who. JB and the WWA brass. They know what they're doing. (laughs) Is Bret Hart, has he abdicated the role? Anything on this? Bret Hart is apparently still kind of associated with WWA, but I believe they're saving him for European markets because they noticed that he got a bigger reception there. I mean, he absolutely would. I mean, there's a big history of Bret in Europe for sure. I think they made the decision that it was more worthwhile to pay for Bret's airfare in Europe than it would be to pay for him to fly out to Australia. So it's less like saving Brett and more saving money for Brett. Yeah. Besides, anything that Brett can do, Sid can do better anyway. So, you know, it's it makes sense. It is essentially the exact same character and promo, which is like, I used to be a wrestler, now I'm not, but I'm here in the WWA and I'm not too happy about it. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here in Melbourne, Australia, because I remember when the World Towers got bombed in September. You know, JB! 9-11 and the world towers affected me deeply as the master and the ruler of the world I cannot abide international terrorism <laughs> and if you get Osama bin Laden you can have him any way you want because I'll see him in his nightmares <laughs> I mean Sid uh, Sid on the fucking cane It broke my heart it's I, really I didn't sad. like Sid that much no. But it broke my heart And I just thought The fucking air travel I'm a tall dude And I nearly yeah. fucking died Travelling to, to far away places And there's Sid 
all seven foot of him legitimately with you know compound fractures mm-hmm. and i don't think people realize when people hear oh sid fractured his leg like oh it's not as bad it's like it's like a sprain is it like compound fractures like he had they warped his leg and he also had like similar issues in his back at the same time so like it's basically like his whole body the chassis of his body was oh. broken it's 16 months later for an athlete whatever you think about his abilities but mm. he was someone who was working out and looking after himself 16 months later he can barely walk yeah and i don't think he ever was right ever again after it it's so fucking sad the fact that they're trying to build to something with like it feels like they've told Sid you'll be main eventing in a year yep if it really feels like yeah he's commissioner now but long term he's going to be one of the stars wrestling for this company and even on the best of days Sid Vicious being humble is weird Mm. and a bit unpalatable and the crowd don't know him enough to be like yeah we know what's happened Sid like they don't have footage of what happened a lot of them just see him in a cane and think he's injured now I guess yeah I like where he's like I'd like to thank God above and Andrew McManus. Oh my God. For giving In- me the opportunity. He spat as soon as he mentioned St. Andrew's name. That's 10 Hail Marys, you motherfucker. <laughs> Look, long-time listeners of the podcast know that I slept under a statue of St. Andrew McManus for many years <laughs> in my dorm. Disrespectful when this happens. I do love that Andy got mentioned in the same breath as God. Spit or not, like, that is just lovely, though. God and Jesus and Mr. McManus. Yeah, it's a... Uh- a lot of the verbiage here tonight, we're definitely missing some wrestling heads. The fact that there's no Russo, no Terry Taylor, no Zabisco, no Jared even. You get hokey stuff like this, like, I'm here to stop Scott Steiner because I know what he's doing. He's breaking the rules. And Scott, you gotta follow the rules, man. <laughs> Fucking hell. Psycho Sid. Yeah, Psycho the rules Sid. Yeah. Like. I'm psychotic about the enforcement of rules. Oh, oh, here's something I forgot to mention. You know how, like, in the past, we've got around legal issues by saying, hey, it's Road Dog, but that's Dog with one G, folks. Sid Vicious, on the advertisements for this show, his name was spelt Sid Viscous, like Vicious crossed with Viscous together. Like. Well, he's kind of thick and gloopy. Like, uh. so, maybe that's why he did the spin here, which is like, you know, as advertised. <laughs> Uh, we have the gloop is under contract as well, so it was allowed to appear for, for WWA. I'll tell you, you may have forgotten to mention that. Something that he nearly forgot to mention was the front row Nathan Jones' name. Because he's like, the main event will be Scott Steiner versus Nathan Jones. Uh, no, he said Nathan. He didn't even get the surname out. Fucking hell. JB here, clearly awake. It was Sid Vicious. Who claimed he took Sid Vicious out? Oh, for fuck's sake. We're so early into the night, JV. And, you know, it's bad when he's there and, like... I, f- I keep forgetting to mention, folks, but you have to understand, all this is taking place with the uh, with the backdrop of the production audio being there. Yeah, the truck I audio. Know how close you were following this, I had this on. I had to apologise to Joe, who was editing upstairs. I'm like, I'm going to be fucking cranking this up and turn on them lights, mm. you know? Get ready for something that you've never known. For because God's sake. We, we've got Sid Vicious. You know, he limps his way to the ring, takes forever. He tries to do a few fist bumps. He's got these nearly crying folks. Yeah. You know, it's the most emotional I've ever seen Sid. Right in the ring, you hear the production truck. You tell him he's got four minutes. <laughs> Fuck for me, sake. man. You tell him we didn't pay him for any of that tear fist bump bullshit. You tell him to deliver the verbiage. Someone wants to get home early tonight. <laughs> 
Yeah, clearly, as evidenced by the fact that when Sid finishes his promo, they play, instead of his theme, the theme of the next participants to get him out. It's yeah. like, if they had the big fucking cane to yank him off, they would. And he didn't even take that long, Adam. I know, it was actually a really short... This was shorter than both of Brett's last two speeches. Like. Oh, Jesus Christ. Coming up next, second of our Cruiserweight Tournament opening contests, as Jerry Lynn takes on Australia's own, one of the few homegrown talents we have here, it's Chucky Chaos. Chucky Chaos. It's what it is, is, remember in the first episode we thought, is that Andrew McManus's son who we have here promoting? What we have here tonight instead is this is Andrew McManus's son's creator wrestler from SmackDown, yeah. Shut Your Mouth. He is every creator wrestler that you know. He has got a colorful mohawk. He has got the Hardy Boy cargo pants. He has a black t-shirt. He has tribal tattoos, elbow pads, knee pads, wrist tape, and every fucking accoutrement you can imagine. This guy is so purely 2002. He is, and it's all done in a way where if the commentators and the announcers hadn't told us that this guy was the Australian hometown guy, I would have known it anyway, because he has that sort of level of cheapness, jobber, you're definitely not going over tonight, you're one of the local lads we just managed to round up in time to be on the show. Like I tried to have a little bit of a research about old Chucky here, who the announcers and the commentators had some difficulty with because he is announced as Chucky, and then he is called Chucky Chaos on commentary, mm-hmm. and his T-shirt says Chuck Chaos, so a little bit of an identity <laughs> crisis. It's it's Chuck E Chaos, like Chucky e. Cheese, I think. Yeah, that's what it is. But the announcers don't seem to want to do that, and he put a different name on his own fucking shirt. Wait, wait, wait! Like, no, hang he... on. I was joking. Is it actually Chuck E Chaos? Yes, <laughs> with an E at the middle letter. <laughs> yes, and let me tell you, folks, the old masters was uh, put to attempt here because when I was trying to find out about this. <laughs> this lad here with my research methods, I kept getting research results about chaos at Chuck E. Cheese restaurants. And there is like a dozen different instances from the last three years alone. So it was difficult. I did find him out in the end. Chuck E. Chaos is a Melbourne born and bred. He is a, a local wrestler who worked on some of the kind of uh, Wild West shows that they did out there. And his big claim to fame is that he was also in a punk band at the same time. He tried to get some hardcore wrestling going in Australia, but there wasn't much of an appetite or an infrastructure for it. And on his cage match profile, he is the innovator of the cows match. Cows match. Cows match, which is called Chucky's Own Wrestling Show, a gimmick where in the middle of a wrestling event, he would declare his own wrestling show and he would referee, commentate, announce and wrestle an opponent of his choosing, kind of like Duchess of Queensbury rules, but fun. Okay. And he also competed in an IWS death match in 2002 <sighs> before stopping wrestling altogether. So this was not the stepping stone for Chucky. And I can't help but feel a little bad for the hometown boy who comes out here, gives us 30 seconds of every fucking thing that he's got, mm. every fucking drop, and then he just gets the cradle pile driver and loses. Yep, he loses. This is the shortest match like it's, in it's WWE 20 history. Seconds. Like. Oh, God almighty. Yeah, it was sad. It was sad to see. JB, at this point, thanks us all for tuning in and watching the WWA, you know, pay-per-view. <laughs> so in case you're watching this on some sort of cursed repeat channel, in case the TWC has picked this up at some point, the guys uh, show how cool they are by making fun of his mohawk by calling him Mr. T. Cool. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it was sad for Chucky. He like he's walking out, shaking the fans' hands, and some of the fans are like, "Oh, 
Like, I think this did more to kill Australian wrestling than it did to help it. So, yeah, all right. Oh, <laughs> there's a bit before that. Right, where, yeah. After JB welcomes us to the show, you know, half an hour in, Disco Inferno helpfully turns to him and goes, Can you hear me, JB? Because one of my headphones went out. Oh, for fuck's sake. And there's an awkward five seconds where it seems like a couple of crowd fans in the audience, much like when I was watching my December to Dismember this month, it felt like there were a few fans who were there who were going to try anyway to get some chance going and mm. make, you know, you see much shows that people are like, I'm going to either ruin this show or die or, or make it good or die trying. Yeah. I will do everything. And some people start a Disco Sucks chant. Hey. A few. Okay. And after Disco goes, yeah, my headphones are working. I can't hear you. JB takes off both their headsets and goes, can you hear this? And turns around to a chant that stops. Oh, for fuck's sake. And there's some muffled indifference. And then Disco goes, I hear the music. That must mean midget action. Of course, of course we're doing this again. Oh, I got a few words for you, Theo. Yeah, a month ago, I put your face through thumbtacks. And that wasn't enough for you? You want a rematch right here in Eruption? Well, we got it, baby. All I know to do is to give pain to little man. Okay. I got all the weapons I need. Tio, you are no longer going to exist. I will be the only midget left here in this building tonight. Yeah, we're back with Puppet and he is on drugs. So Puppet's backstage shouting at somebody, some guy... I don't, it's like he's in a fucking Roddy Piper Survivor Series team or something here. He's fucking jazzed up. Yeah, and he he wants to talk... He wants to send a message directly to Tio, his opponent. And this, I don't know what it is about this, this made me laugh more than anything on the whole show tonight. Because the audio quality... For this, for this segment here, the audio actually is pretty audible. Like, you can make out what he's saying. And he goes, Oh, yeah, and Tio, I got some words for you, Tio. And... <laughs> And the audio literally as soon as he says that, <laughs> completely gone. I would say Puppet has has so many of the tools to to be a star in wrestling. And it just feels like this hateful little box that he's been put in just means that he's never going to like, he was never going to polish off them skills. And like he's never going to be like, can we get you from like, all right, you got the intensity here, but can we just kind of like, Turn you a little way like we did with Road Warrior Hawk so he can actually say something intelligible. Yeah. Unintelligibly, you know? And it feels like he's so close there. But, you know, they talk a lot here tonight about how Puppet, he's been, you know, on the circuit. He's done a lot of stunt work. He's been in, like, the Leprechaun movies. He's been in Batman. He's done, like, you know, the Jenny Jones. He's done the daytime, you know, uh, trashy shows mm-hmm. and all that. And he, he's played the character. I feel like that wrestling is one of five or six things that he does. I don't even know if it's his main focus, but... You know, he's got something, even if that is exploited to a horrible end. Yeah, I don't like any of the words that come out of his mouth, but his delivery is at least more impassioned than most of the WWE roster. Oh, he's probably the best promo tonight that you hear. Like, honestly. That's- I'll give him the Tully Blanchard Small Napkin Award for <laughs> saving Talking Grace. <laughs> We're back with Mark Erickson, who legitimately giggles before going, The following is a no-rules, hardcore midget match. <laughs> Get fucked. Cool. It's Tio versus Puppet. Mercifully, the live mic has been dropped for this, and Madden's not here. 
Oh yeah, we forgot to mention. I don't think the commentary goes out once tonight over the uh, no. the tannoy. We stopped it, yeah. and it's very obvious that Mark Madden was the dirty boy who made the other slightly dirty boys feel enabled, and that Disco Inferno is simply too much of a coward to be as problematic <laughs> as as often as Madden was. So this is, I will say. An identical match. I think yep. the spots were the same. I don't think anyone told Puppet and Theo that this was like not a house show. Like they went out and they did the match, the hardcore match. Yeah, we had the chair set up. We had the tax. It was all the fucking same, pretty much. And Disco like is so unmotivated here that he can barely bring himself to speculate that little people have no genitalia. Mm, for fuck's sake! Oh, and he also says this would make a cool video game. <laughs> That was the bit where he was like, yeah, it would be cool, wouldn't it, to have a video game with midgets in a hardcore environment as playable characters. Like, have you invested? It really seems like you've invested. You got a pitch at a dinner party, didn't you, Disco? Now you're 10 Gs deep into something that will have its assets stripped for backyard wrestling too. <laughs> Here are some of Disco. Like, I think Disco is the only one who does jokes. JB pretty much just chimes in with a, yeah, little people. Am I right? Yeah. Like, it's pretty much all disco here. JB doesn't care anymore, I think. His energy is just gone. We get Gary Coleman jokes. Great. He says that T.O. is inspired by the great midget wrestlers of the past, like Lil Tokyo and Rey Mysterio. Ha <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for not wrestling with us, Rey. We'll make you a joke. Yeah, right? Casual burying here. I'm sure he'll love to come and work with you. I'm sure all of his peers from there. Notice there's no luchadors here tonight, folks. Nope. Psychosis, Hoovy, Eddie, everyone's gone. Mm-hmm. Conan, I don't think, is associated with this. Yeah, we're done. Thank you. <laughs> so there was a botch in this that was one of those hideous things all night where I think Tio went for a blockbuster and he just literally upside down head first oh, into the, the two of yeah. them. It was fucking horrible. Uh, one line of commentary that I thought was funny from Disco that I feel somewhat like I would say he's trying to do a different heel commentary character at least he's not trying to be like Jesse Ventura or the King he is trying to be Disco Inferno for better or for worse yeah and maybe on a small little show with a you know 200 fans you know kind of a like a, a small like wrestling company has a bit of comedy to it like. Sorry, I've got a list of wrestling company now, but they're all fucking persona non grata. Yeah. Like, like, you remember how we used to have little wrestling companies we talk about that had a nice comedy atmosphere? Like those. Yeah. Not anymore. Those. Not anymore. Not anymore. You might think it'd be nice to sit there and reminisce. But I'm sorry, anytime I think about wrestling companies now, I become Cactus Jack. It's, <laughs> has that happened to you in July 2020 as well? But he has this line where he's like, I invented the swinging neckbreaker. And that's a funny bit because every time there's a neckbreaker tonight, and there are a few, he goes, ah, yes, my maneuver. Uh-huh. And I think that, tell you what, it's like something you would have heard on Saturday morning slam. Leave the memories alone. That's fine at least, right? Yeah, let's, let's leave the that dazzler, The Dazzler could have said that on Saturday morning slam. Say like, I invented the swinging neckbreaker, you know? And it, <laughs> that, there you go. That was the only genuine laugh all night that was like not at the expense of something. <laughs> it's pretty short. Yeah. It doesn't say it's welcome. You know. Oh, God. He jumps off a ladder onto a bin. Disco says, fly, midget, fly. And like. Great. Like, the worst thing about this is that I kind of thought, 
I think they're not going to book these lads now that they've made enough. Like they've made fun of them, and now that's like, oh, it's not as fun to make fun of them anymore. And yeah. they're doing the same match. I think basically they're convinced themselves not to book these guys anymore. Probably, yeah. I imagine this might be the last time we see them now. Right, WWE in the Atmosphere and Beyond has had its fair share of gratuitous shots. I mean, we've had plenty of Stacy Keebler flexing up before a match, yeah. or you know, TNA's had plenty of beautiful people having a you know pre fucking match massage or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you literally see penthouse pet Queen Bee like just lift up her entire skirt yeah. and then pull it back down. And it's an extreme would... close-up as well on her ass. Like we're right in oh, there. Oh yeah. Th- this would make Jerry Lawler go so high that only teenagers could hear it. <laughs> and then as Medeja's walking backstage, Tio who shows up with Scott Steiner's headdress, even though he's after winning a hardcore battle of the ages, it's just there being like, hey. hey. I'm off and I'm running. Now, I spoke on SmackDown Crawl recently about my love of consequences in wrestling. Mm. And that can be if someone's been humiliated or embarrassed or beat up badly or swerved, that they follow it through. And you. Yep. Tia's just been in a fucking war and he comes back there going, woohoo, woohoo, Yep. All right. Just harasses Queen Bee for some reason. Do you really want to upset Puppet? Like, honestly, yeah. in real life. I'm kind of scared of Puppet, I think, really. Oh, I'm terrified. Ever since you told me the porridge story, I've been really scared of that guy. You're scared of him and his secret ooze. (sighs) It's time! Oh, you didn't know it's time, but it is anyway. It's time for a caption contest here in the WWA. Adam, to quote SmackDown vs. Raw, this is what it's like when worlds collide! (laughs) I I think we struggled to find a caption du jour for this caption contest in particular. Yeah, and I'll tell you why, because I tried freezing on any still image of this pay-per-view and it all looked like absolute garbage. It looked like it had been converted to be viewable on a Game Boy Advance or something. It's such a pixelated mess. So instead, we've settled on here, which is Psycho Sid, who looks like he's been manipulated into a Goya painting or something instead. But it's Psycho Sid, the commissioner here of the WWA, dressed up in a nice suit, which is guaranteed last because we have an unbelievable, unprecedented amount of responses to this, Adam. Yeah, and we should also point out, I think, what is the most important part of this image isn't just the suit, isn't just Psycho Sid. It's that he's got a big wide open gob on him and a microphone pointed at it. And I thought, oh, we'll get some silly promos. No, no, no. This is going to be the karaoke edition of the caption contest, Kevin. (laughs) Which is why Adam and I literally had to check our calendars to make sure that our voices weren't required for anything else. Our loved ones will not be hearing from us this evening as we delve into the caption contest which I am absolutely delighted, beyond delighted to say, that the caption contest today, Adam, is sponsored by the master and the ruler of wrestling YouTube, as far as we're concerned, Brian Zane from Wrestling With Regress. Fuck yeah, it's a pleasure to be able to talk about Brian anytime on this podcast. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Wrestling With Regret, if you're not aware of it, it is probably one of the funnest channels you can find on YouTube. He takes a look back at some of the best, but mostly the worst stuff in wrestling, storylines, characters, cartoons, movies, music, pay-per-view reviews, weekly TV recaps, you've got Kayfabe Kitchen, and he's had more than 140 million views since 2013, and I'll tell you what, it's not easy in the world of wrestling to be funny, 
concise, thoughtful, and well-produced. Every topic that Brian Zane tackles, he does so with the utmost professionalism. It's always guaranteed to laugh, and he's always got all angles covered as far as I'm concerned. Recent uh, ones including the Piper in WCW <laughs> and the review of the EV 2.0 TNA Hard Justice 2010. Like, it's a great channel to go if you just want to, you don't know where you want to end up in the world of wrestling. You just want to have something fun. I always have a great time at wrestling with regret. Honestly, and when I first discovered Brian's channel a few years ago, it was back before there was anything really like that on YouTube. And I remember as soon as I watched one of his videos, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. I didn't realize how much I needed a YouTuber like this, but I'm so glad someone is covering wrestling in this way. And also it helps that during one of the first episodes of his I watched, he did make a cheeky little reference to Gangrel saying it was forbidden by the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely someone who I'll always be thankful for because when I was a teacher and I was desperately trying hard so that no one would find out that I was moonlighting as a podcaster, one kid found me when I had been on wrestling with yeah. Brian. It was like starstruck that I knew Brian Zane. Uh, and we had the pleasure of meeting Brian when he was down in Manchester yes. last year. We went to and Nando's with Brian, for God's sake. We went brilliant. to Nando's. So, I mean, the man knows his hot tag sauces, the man knows his wrestling, and the man knows his comedy. Wrestling with Regress, a longtime friend of the podcast. Check him out. And also, as well, he's a fellow survivor of the WWA. So, Oof. this one's for you, BZ. <laughs> You want to start us off on Twitter, Adam? We've got some on Twitter. We've got some on Facebook. Hundreds of entries for Psycho Sid singing at the caption contest. Yeah, okay. I'm going to kick it off on Twitter then, at a podcast with one here from Michael Scally, our resident artist, has done so much beautiful artwork for us over the years. He's, huh. He writes in with, Someday you may find yourself with half the work schedule, with half the brain that you do, and you may ask yourself, well... How did I get here? <laughs> and the days go by, mean gene. Let the water hold me down. <laughs> I, I will, I'll add my own hat into the litany of Psycho Sid singing uh, references. I had the time of my life, Jim Ross. <laughs> and I owe it. All to you. <laughs> Susan Nix here over on Facebook. Sid finds his usual delivery of a promo was not quite appropriate at the funeral of his great uncle. <laughs> his dreams will become nightmares. <laughs> Got one here from Derek Draws Pauly who says, And I have half the brain you do. <laughs> Bless him. Keel Garlic here. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Psycho Sid to sing the national anthem. <laughs> Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> uh, by the way, what's the deal with Sid and scissors? I've noticed a few scissors references. Oh, right. Well, the thing is, he needs scissors 61. No. Why is Adam, and this is one of the, the less fun uh, stories from Psycho Sid's career of japes, ups, downs, and small mammals in his trousers. Oh. This came from a point in time where most of this is coming from Ric Flair's book and Eric Bischoff's book, which I doubt are going to be very, very accurate readings mm. of the situation. But 
Arn Anderson was apparently at odds with Psycho Sid. They didn't like each other. This is back in like late 80s, early 90s WCW. And apparently because Sid was the big Egypt who everyone liked to kind of egg on to do stupid things. And they were like, oh, he's talking mess about you, Sid. Better go get Arn. Better go get Arn. You know, he'll knock you out, I'm sure, Sid, in two seconds. He's only old and bald anyway, that Arn. Look at that stupid, sexy Arn Anderson. Go get him, Sid. (laughs) And then Sid, apparently, like, full of piss and vinegar, showed up at Arn Anderson's hotel room at two in the morning, and he had a pair of scissors, and he just stabbed him. And, like, Whoa! Was, like, instead of fighting him, he went straight through to fucking, you know, armed combat. Wow. And the reason why this is something that lives in infamy, or lack thereof, is when Bischoff and Russo took over Nitro in 2000 in their New Blood reset, one of the first things that Russo wrote in was that there was a lengthy bit where Bischoff was like, Hey, Psycho Sid! Where are your scissors? Silence from the audience. Uh. I said, where are your scissors? And even Sid's like, scissors? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's like, rubbish. you know, it's one of these things that like, it's just a case of Sid being a fucking idiot. I mean, the scariest thing about it is obviously that fucking double A got stabbed. Yeah. But like, it, I think it just was one of those things where if you ask me what the most toxic locker room of all time is, it's always going to be early 90s WCW. Mm. You know, you ever see that video of, like, the Road Warriors and them from, like, backstage at a Starcade? Everyone's just walking around with fucking coke on their noses Rubbing and pencils them, yeah. in their asses. Mm-hmm. It's fucking bad news. Well, that was illuminating. Thank you very much. That's all right. Well, I thought, you know, that would break us up from the singing. <laughs> well, actually, I've got, I found one here that isn't singing, thankfully. I've got one here from Marty Ward on Twitter that says, Okay, Sid, we need you to wrestle. Softball it is! No, 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 no. Wrestling. Softball! Wrestling softball. W R S O. We got a deep dive reference here from Craig Walker. Well, that pretty much wrapped things up. I was WWF champion to the surprise of everyone. The pay per view was closed, and with the grateful shudder, I swore that I would never return to Nightmare Inn. <laughs> <laughs> We're live, pal. Dear well, the, the skeptics, perhaps, uh, we perhaps uh, talk about softball or maybe. Uh... David Gray here. My latest movie is called Sid. Let's get silly. It's just me in front of a backstage screen for an hour and a half cutting a 30 second promo. It cost $80 million to make. I, I like the idea where someone goes, you suck, Psycho Sid. Instead of taking out the, the machine gun, he'll just powerbomb them or whatever. Then <laughs> fist bump the crowd. Like, you know. <laughs> Jacob Hickman over here. You see, there's two types of bee in this world. There's a bee that makes honey. And then there's a bee that, wait. Wait, where is it? Where, where, where do bees live again? In a hive, pal. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we got one here from Dave Scott, who literally, it's not a caption, he just wants to ask you, Kevin, if you can do a Psycho Sid Animal Crossing impression real quick for us. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. And there is a lot more of that content available on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. Let's see if we can do this one here. From Boyd Atkins the Fourth, And I think it's gonna be a long, long time... <laughs> Till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not half the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, I'm half a rocket man. <laughs> 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 
burning out his fuse up there alone. <laughs> okay, we've we've got a big one here from Guy Incognito. It's big, you say? Yeah, let me just take a big deep breath in. Well, the Undertaker done it. The Phenom had won it. Stone Cold was bleeding from the head. Ahmed Johnson injured his own leg. <laughs> and in the main event, Psycho Sid shit the bed. We're talking wrestling. With Hunter Hearst Helmsley talking wrestling. LOD and NOD. HBK had gone and lost his smile. Vader was detained for a while. We're talking Hitman. Spitting at Vince on the aisle. That is crazy good. Wow. And it's as if one voice rang out and saved all Simpsons references, past, present, and future on this podcast at once. I'm a very happy man. Very well done. From Neil Cornelius Smith over here. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of sweaty curly hair. In West Memphis, Arkansas, born and raised. In WWF and CW's where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, breaking legs, relaxing all cool. And nicking punk rockers' names outside of school. When one of the horsemen was up to no good. Start making trouble in my neighborhood. I got one little scissor fight and Ted Turner got scared. He said, you're moving on out of here, you eat you with your sweaty curl hair. Oh, Chris Pilkington here with one that's pretty much just for me and you, Kevin. Uh, you know what? I don't care because I'm happy that Chris Pilkington is, is on Twitter and back yeah, in our lives. Honestly. Fucking A. Chris says here, are you a sardine? <laughs> <laughs> he was quick as a flash, Psycho Sid. He was like lightning stew coming out of a, a dish. <laughs> <laughs> we got one here from Matt Wrestling 32 that says... Quality matches, no botched promos. Oh no, they've got this all wrong. Quality matches, no, comma, botched promos. <laughs> Be- better remove this safe worker logo too. <laughs> Psycho Sid's typewriter was a smoking monkey as well at one point in the 80s, I believe, <laughs> down, in, down in Memphis. So Elliot Hodgett here with the campaign slogan for Vicious 2024. You might be asking yourself, why me? <laughs> well, a vote for Vicious is a vote for... I'm sorry, I forgot my platform. (laughs) 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 Amazing one here from Aiden. Two little ducks, 22. (laughs) Goldberg, you got a full house. Why me? (laughs) Again, I said on the episode that the pay-per-view looks like Butlin's home video footage, and he looks like such a bingo caller here. (laughs) I mean... Uh, our pal and the editor who's edited some of our best of compilations recently he's been pushing hard for with wrestling being where it is at at the moment for the raffle to kind of take over the main event of wrestling and (laughs) for it to be an actually said a large-scale raffle that we all attend which could be i think there's legs to that idea yeah I'm, i'm i'm down for that Liam Holland's head here hasn't got a caption. He says a nice little picture from the Holy Grail, which is Sir not appearing in this pay-per-view with Psycho <laughs> Sid in there. <laughs> he, he's aptly named. I'll give him that, Liam. That's true. Sam Hodgkiss says, need a new episode, boys. Recently binged all of season four. 
That's really good, yeah. Well, I don't Cheers, know. Mate. I mean, we'll, we'll just do this instead, I guess, you know. I mean, this old episode that's coming out here. You know, <laughs> we, we blew off some of the dust on this for you. Max Alexander here with some fancy booking for Hollywood. Seen here, a distraught Norman Bates discovers the body of another poor woman that mother has powerbombed at the hotel shower. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like Psycho Sid, I, I've talked on Cinema Story about how I feel you could insert Nicolas Cage into any video game and it would be a good time, you know, out of context. Yeah. But I feel you could you could airdrop Psycho Sid into any movie, particularly anything before the 70s. Actually, you know, a taxi driver with Psycho Sid would be oh. really funny. Big boot the mirror, like by Mr. You talking to me? Ah, Sid! Are you talking to me? <laughs> Steve Clark here. Excuse me, when does this bus get to the pay-per-view? It doesn't. Oh, but isn't this the 22? <laughs> yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesday and Thursday, though, it's the 22A. 22A? Why me? I should have got off in Crackton. Crackton? Dan Walwork here. Spent my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the cock keep ticking too slow. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. You know what? Bonus points if we change that to be alone with my Bob Holly tonight. Instead. Oh, it keeps insane. Got quite a few people here, just not really necessarily any particular joke or anything in common, but a lot of folks comparing Sid to Harley Race here, which actually I find Ooh, very on point. It is. He's got the kind of swollenness of like mm -hmm. when Harley Race was managing Vader. <laughs> like he looks like he's going to threaten McFoley if he doesn't hit him hard enough with a shovel, he's going to beat the shit out of him, you know? <laughs> Lloyd Michael, there's Mr. Chips. What's he doing? See what? You see. Oh my god. Oh, I tell you what, as as good as Wrestlers on the Weakest Link was, Wrestlers on Catchphrase would make my fucking year, Kevin. Yes, please. Particularly if it was like important moments in wrestling that Mr. Chips was doing, you know? And you know who would fucking win would be Fandango as well, wouldn't he, mate? Because he had that gimmick for a long time. <laughs> oh, that's very true. He's got a, he, he knows all these, like, chip on the shoulder. Oh, my God, come on. This man's ready. That guy, Angelo, here says the Hitman games have gotten weird since they let you play as Agent 22. <laughs> I would say Sid was going to be like, he'd be like a really shit, one-off, elusive character, maybe. <laughs> You know, if you're not very good at the game, yeah, you have to find this really loud giant man with curly <laughs> hair. You have, to, you have to penetrate the WWA headquarters to try and get into his inner sanctum, you know. He's guarded by front row. <laughs> <laughs> and we got a few variations. I think this may have been on Facebook as well as on Twitter. We got people like Brian Bradshaw and also Burt Cocaine wrote in with variations on da, 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 blow my nose, you look great in buttons and bows. <laughs> Eddie O'Keefe here. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, we had a lot of fun with Psycho Sid, one of the one of the standouts of season four. Who I'm very happy made another impromptu appearance here in the WWA. <laughs> Where I think if if it's taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected. Legit, as has become emblematic of the WWA episodes, anything can happen. Anything can happen. 
Thanks again to Brian Zane and Wrestling With Regret for sponsoring the caption contest. Big time. Don't forget, if you've got a podcast, a YouTube series, a website, or any sort of a endeavor that you would like plugged for the masses, we've had everything on here from board games to novels to YouTube channels, podcasts, and beyond. Hit us up over at patreon.com slash aepodcast or for any and all queries, attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com subject sponsorship. But for now, Adam, have you got your ticket? Are you ready to head on a plane with Nate Jeff Jarrett and go back to Australia? I don't want to go to the volcano, Kevin. Don't make me. Well, that's too freaking bad. If you kids... Don't calm down. I'm going to turn this caption contest and take it back. That's it. Back to Melbourne. (laughs) Coming up next. I have to prepare myself for this. Yeah, fuck me. Ernest the Cat Miller. Brian Christopher versus Buff Bagwell and straight shooting Stevie Ray in a match that I have dubbed... The last four toys at the car boot sale. <laughs> Someone don't buy us, man. We're we're gonna end up in Netflix behind some glass, man. I can't see there. <laughs> hey. Ray's missing a leg or whatever. Ernest Miller is like he's got marker all over him. Don't you go disparaging the good name of the toy store on the third story of Affleck's Palace. That is where I found you that amazing Norman Osborne toy. That's true. And that is also where I bought the amazingly terrible Sonny Bendham's action Oof. figure where I was like, no, I have to buy it. I have to buy it. And then a woman served me and I was just mouthing like, I'm sorry. I will never forget when you handed it to me. You're like, look what I got. And it felt like so disgusting. Like it felt like I was holding like a tiny mummified person or something. I was so freaked out. I was really pissed off as well when you had it because I was going to eat that tiny chewy (laughs) mummy. Buff Bagwell, and this is a grim reality, folks, gets the pop of the night. Buff Bagwell. Oh, yeah. lot of chat here, and it's extra fun because JB and Disco Inferno know all four of these men personally, so we get treated to lots of fun in-jokes about Judy Bagwell and things like that, you know? It keeps saying Judy Bagwell over and over and over like it's the best fucking thing ever. I love all these fucking WCW misfits here, these broken biscuits covered in dust who yeah. no one wants. Or in the case of Buff Bagwell, they had one bite of and then spat it back in the bag and sent it to Australia. Like, the idea that you could tell these four, like, you're all being booked. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, we're all big stars like Brian Christopher and Stevie Ray. Like, Stevie Ray gets nothing. Zero. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, nothing. To the point where JB tries to cover for him. And, like, I think Stevie Ray is meant to be a face or I don't know. But JB goes, fans here are kind of so-so for Stevie Ray. But then again, he is not a fan favorite here in Australia. Like, why? No. Because he's black? Like, what's the problem? Stevie is definitely a heel because they mentioned this here. And it's something that I think a lot of people wrote into us to say as well. That on the tours, Stevie Ray was doing the whole heel gimmick of coming out and being like, oh, well, if that's the reception you're going to give me, I'm just going to go home and I'm not going to wrestle. That was his shtick at the time, I think. His shtick was turning a negative into a positive. Is that it then? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, good job on the mid-career pivot there, Stevie. Good job. Now, fucking hell, this WCW garage sale of fucking of a match is so bad. I love that Ernest the Cat Miller came out to a MIDI version of "I Feel Good" by James Brown. This was haunted. Hideous. <laughs> 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 Look, all right, here you go. I'm gonna play the MIDI version of it, and then listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> 
57113. Get access to polyphonic Stop ringtones it. now. 57113. Okay, how about this? Unlock the hidden capital in your home now with a second mortgage. There may be <laughs> equity hidden in your home. Stop Have it. you been injured in a workplace accident and it wasn't your fault? Call James Brown Lawyers now. And then Brian Christopher who last month came out to his official Too Cool music. Did you catch his theme this time? Yeah, and you know it's bad that, like, if Daria and WWE and WWA are allowed to use it one month, this royalty-free stock music or whatever, but he just has a metronome this time. It's literally... I'm not exaggerating, there are no instruments. It makes Viscera's entrance music feel like a fucking orchestral score by comparison. (laughs) It's really bad. It's, it's so, so bad. It's so weird. Disco Inferno says the word spaz around 100,000 yeah. times. Buff acts like a heel throughout the match. These lazy pricks do fucking nothing. You know what? If if this was 10 years later and it was Heroes of Wrestling, all right. But these lads are all in their... Like, they're all in their 30s for the most part. They're all like, yep. they can go. Maybe Ernest is getting a bit on in years, but like... There's no excuse for this. Yeah, legit, legit. This is bottom of the fucking barrel. Sorry, I just got distracted by my notes here because I seem to have stopped writing about the match. And what I've written here is there are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nano angstrom of those hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one one billionth of the hate I feel for the WWA at this micro instant. Hate, hate. Hate. Be careful now. Hate drive a man insane, Adam, all right? Be careful now. Gotta keep a lid on that shit. Light, slow offense as the four men in the ring try to work together to gaslight each other that the crowd want this house show pageantry even though they are desperate for fucking anything here. An embarrassing display. We got a hot cast to Ernest to tag Miller. And Buff Bagwell forgets to tag in so nothing happens. Stevie and Buff do like a finisher of sorts. And then they're like, wow, a version of High Times. So that is Chronic's appearance here tonight. Okay. They can't be flying on the plane, no, those guys, those dope fiends. Chronic, am I right? <laughs> Adams and Clark, those two potheads. I thought I expelled the members of Ganja House from the WWE. <laughs> I'm surprised that they're not here tonight, even though Mark Erickson promised us arresting extravaganza. But at last, no High Times Fuck or Chronic sake. here tonight. Hip-hop nearly falls off the top rope drop, and that is a fine way to end any match. Brian Christopher and Ernest the Cat Miller win, and it's only just beginning, Adam. This next part, this... They're a little crazy, you know what I'm saying? Well, they're good sweaters. We got a real easy dance, dude. What we're gonna do is, it's two steps to the left, two steps to the right, three steps back. You shift it forward and back, okay? You got it? On my count, first we're gonna bow our heads. Two steps to the left, two steps to the right, three steps back. All right, let's see what you got. Let's see a little bit of hip hop flavor running through your veins now. Melbourne, Australia. Hey boy, get your butt back there. Okay, haunted. so yeah, this this is haunted. Brian gets on the mic and tells Ernest not to go anywhere because we know we're both dancey boys. It's time to have a dance. Then the s- I would have loved. I would have loved to see that. Honestly, really. If if you had the music and you could have, you know, you point over at Ernest and do somebody call my mama. He does the quick 
dance two step and then he's like you try do my dance brian then he does it and then brian's like well you hit my music and you know just two dancing feel-good gimmick characters them doing a dance together i'm not opposed to that i, I enjoy guess. that mostly yeah but that's not what but. we get the Starettes come out, and I think, oh, okay, so they're going to do like an ensemble dance with the Starettes. Sorry, the Starettes, don't you mean the, and I quote, Fan Young Slimmies! <laughs> Sl- Slimmy is the most hard. Like, yeah. I've always tried to figure out what the sh- what a shorty was, and if anyone could tell me, I'd love to know that because is a Slimmy a shorty? I don't know. I thought they were those fancy cigarettes that you see, like they come in like purple packets. With a long, I have a nice. Long filter on my slimy. (laughs) And then they bring a load of children out of the crowd into the ring. Which, along with Psycho Sid's, we all need to pay attention to the rules, guys, am I right? Along with that, that is the kind of someone who doesn't know wrestling booking a wrestling show thinking, well, he's a good guy, get all the kids in. And I'm sure they did this at all the house shows because they're set up for it. But Disco and JB, they're not like, What's going on here? They're like, oh, guess you've got to bring the fans in the ring. All right. Yep. Fans coming in the ring, I guess now. Like, JB is fucking beside himself in silent rage here about this happening. But this moment is what actually made me, it gave me an epiphany because it made me realize what I think this reminds me of. So Brian Christopher's got the kids in the ring and they're all like getting ready to dance. But before we can dance, Brian has to explain to them, okay, boys and girls, it's two steps to the left, then two steps to the right, and then two steps back, and then you shuffle. Has everyone got that? And he has to explain it like two or three times to them. Oh, that is my, I think I've had nightmares like that. Like waking up, like I'm a fucking child again on holiday at some resort. And it's like, and we're all here doing a show now. Two steps left, two steps right. If you don't go back and do it, we don't want to ruin Frozen for the kids, right? That is, it's, (laughs) funny you say that because this is the epiphany i'm thinking of when i saw him shouting at these children to do this with the blurry filter the horrible audio quality the really garish lights i realized the whole wwa production looks like one long butlin's home video from like 15 years ago that is exactly the vibes i get from this except the only difference adam is that in butlin's you'd have a few more workers and a few people who understood the business a little bit better (laughs) one would imagine at least (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, Brian Christopher turned to like the little. There's one girl as well, and like they're all like are doing the pose, and she's like, li- if she could be looking at her phone, she would. Yeah. And she's like looking at her feet, and he's like, "What's the matter with you? Two steps right, two steps left. You gotta fuck this up now, are you?" Uh. <laughs> oh my god! It is so. And of course, the music that we're doing it to. Brilliant. Oh my god! Come on, kids, dance. Good God in heaven, children being booed in Australia. Oh I do not god. hate this. <laughs> This is evil. This is, this is a long day at the office, for fuck's sake. <laughs> a fun bit is when Disco came in and tried to do some dancing, but the fact that there was no music, it was just like, mm, you know? Yeah. I did like that they let the kids beat on Disco a bit, but I thought it was it was all very flat-like. And I think going to Disco, like much like they did last month, it's like, it means nothing now, nope. you know? <sighs> flat. And then Brian Christopher has to complete the curse by saying the ancient satanic words. And that means the old one is here now. So look forward to that. (laughs) Backstage, the Alan Funk that you loved and knew, say goodbye to him. The Funkster's here to stay. He's with Bill Barris 
And tonight he's taking on a long-time thorn in the Hulkster's side, Pierre Houlet, who's someone I'm increasingly fascinated about. There is a long history of the Houlet family feuding with Hulk Hogan. We've had, of course, Jacques Houlet, Ramon Houlet. They've been involved in wrestling commentators, the Quebecers, mm. the Mountie. I mean, you've got a long, long history there. And I think a lot of people, myself included, the knowledge is somewhat limited to some of the kind of the, the, the French-Canadian stereotypes, like the Quebecers and stuff that they played, or, you know, or not the Mountie and whatnot. And the reality is that in Canada, the Ulays are gods. And to say they are like Hogan is, in some respects, a bit of an understatement because I don't think people feel the or little neck of the world special guy feeling yeah. about Hogan that they do about the Ulays. And the fact that they're talking here, it's like, you all your stinky brothers, they tried to hook the poison up to the Funkster's brains. It's like, are they like the Renaults from fucking Twin Peaks or something? <laughs> it's just when you think you got rid of Jacques Ulay, my brother's going to come in and he's going to fuck their roadhouse up. It's a real fucking bad dudes. <laughs> Say nothing to the fact that Pierre Ulay. PCO, who at 50 years young won the fucking Ring of Honor World Championship and is doing topes at 52. This man is a beast and is terrifying and invented the Swanton Bomb. Wait, didn't one of them have an eye patch as well? This is the Merry Man, PCO. He was also Pierre. One eyed Jacks, mate. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just saying. And of course, when Vince McMahon made Stephanie, he didn't realize Stephanie was working in One Eye Jacks. Like, you know, it was a. Uh, and then when Ken Shamrock ran in there and he's like, Where is she? Ah! <laughs> Him and the rest of the corporate bookhouse boys. <laughs> no, that would be the co- they'd be the corporate handbook boys instead. That's what they would be, the corporation. <laughs> Become apparent here tonight that the Funkster is less of a mean parody and more of a let's just genuinely use a Hulk Hogan figure to fill out the mid cards. Honestly, yeah, it's gone from being a joke now to literally like, oh, I think it'd be cool if we had Hulk Hogan on our roster. Okay, we got Quebecer Pierre taking on Funkster. I think he's just called Pierre Houlet here as his actual name. Oh no, I heard Quebecer Pierre. They actually got. I don't even know if they're allowed to call him that. That's WWE's. Probably not. It didn't stop him from saying Grandmaster Sexay in the past. You know what? The Funkster nor the WWE deserve this level of performance from. Like, you talk about a utility player. This guy can do it fucking all. Like, he's a beast. He's got a Lesnar fucking size to him. He's got agility. You didn't see a big man who could move like that, like a muscle man. You know, you had your Bam Bam Bigelows and your Vaders, but, like, when you compare the supposedly athletic chronic to. You know, Quebecer here, Pierre here. This man has fucking got it all. I like that he does a really aggressive version of the anthem at the start, where he's just like, la, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, stoking the flames of the old Australia Canada feud right there, man. Yeah, and here comes Alan Funk, who was full on chip shop funkster gimmick here. Like, you know, Hulk Hogan couldn't make it to Scunthorpe, folks, but we got Alan Funk. Aww. He's just the next best thing. I genuinely hope Terry Balea sued. Oh man, how sweet would that have been? And that that's coming from two people that fucking hate Terry Balea as well. I like the throws, the suplexes, the running power bombs, the mouth and off, everything I'm seeing from Pierre I enjoyed. Is the funk stir meant to be like shit, I'm thinking here, and that's the joke, like he's been beat up loads, but it's like no, they're just doing the Hogan match. They are. Be on all match, mm-hmm. little bit of hope, be on some more, finish your kick out, hulk up. Or sorry, I should say, it's now funking up, not funking it up. It's yeah. funking up. And there's no, yeah, like you say, there's no jokes. There's no gimmick or parody here. It's just a Hogan match. There are jokes from Disco, who does a recurring bit that, like, 
when I want to get really inspired for stand-up, what I do is I go watch some, like, I'll go to some random hokey stand-up show and I'll sit and I'll listen to jokes and I'll be like, how would I have done that if it didn't work? Like, I, that's how I try and inspire myself. Mm. And I didn't think I'd be doing that here with Disco Inferno because he's like, this guy, he reminds me of someone. Who is it? Bobby Eaton. No, that's not. And then later on, he's like, oh, he reminds me of someone. Who is it? Barry Horowitz. I'm like, that's not. Look, here's what you do. You go, oh, he reminds you of someone. Who it is? And you say like, Jesse Ventura or fucking Billy Graham or any of the many people yeah. who Hogan liberally stole from. It makes sense, like. But like he, him saying he reminds me of Randy Savage would have made me pop big time. Even then, the amount of times he comes back to this joke, he doesn't even leave it a few minutes so it can breathe. He just keeps constantly hammering back, like, oh, this guy reminds me of someone, wink, wink. Like, it's nonstop. Before I get too much further into my emerging PCO fandom, and believe me, folks, I know fuck all about him, so this is probably why I'm so impressed by him. It feels like he's come from the future to help this wrestling show out. But the moves that he does, at the size that he does them to Funk, he's doing, like, running power bombs, big fucking spin slams. Like, he's doing some scary stuff, and he is so careful, and he is so fucking protecting, and he is so good. And then the one fucking move Alan Funk does, he does a pile driver, and he nearly breaks oh, the fucker's neck. I know. I know, I couldn't... I, I will say, actually, I went into this match with arms folded, funnily enough, on a WWE show, but I was ready to shit all over this and hate on it, and I was so fucking impressed with Quebec Pierre. He is genuinely yeah. brilliant, like... He was in the brawl for all, if you remember. He was, and that's another reason why I was like, oh, well, it's the fucking Hulk Hogan guy and some lad from Brawl for All that I wasn't impressed by, so I was so ready to be down on this. But he's really fucking good. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm kind of hoping I'll do him for how to wrestling at some point. <laughs> Joe, Joe just loves the concept of old men and wrestling. And like, the, the thought of this guy being a fucking world beater at 52 is very yeah. impressive to me. So yeah, we get the pile driver, the leg drop, Funkster wins. It did pop the crowd, but more in a kind of a, like, you've desensitized them and then you've presented them with the most plain form of wrestling. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it was fine. Honestly, compare i'd say it's probably one of the best matches of the night and that is not saying much it's really not coming up next it's a feature on front row nathan jones what did you learn about nathan jones from this package kevin i learned that he is fucking titan serum bull buchanan with them black trousers and elbow pads ah god Fucking hell, keep this man away from the T-Virus. That's all I'm saying. Jesus. Oh, and also, it was all footage from one match, which given that this was, yep. again, three minutes long, and I don't think Nathan Jones works a long match, this is probably most of the wrestling he's done in the year 2002. For sure. For sure. You say Titan, Bull Buchanan. I literally just thought, like, you know how in all the 2K games you start off your my career in NXT and there's always some yeah. fucking Baron Blade made-up baddie <laughs> on the roster? That's who Nathan Jones is, like. Like, you find out that the bully from the cutscenes has become a wrestler for a rival Exactly, promotion. exactly. My main takeaway from this, Adam, other than his, his uh, bad boss vibes... No, he's our boss. He's a mid-level boss, isn't he? After his, yeah. his mid-level boss vibes, I was just sitting there wondering, how did he get the belt? When did he get the belt? And if he's gotten the belt, surely, surely that should have happened on pay-per-view. Surely! I think it was a couple of weeks before this show, just in some house show. Yeah. They realised Jeff Jarrett's going to be busy, so... So that's it. Fucking hell. It's there so you have bad. It. I don't even have footage of him winning the belt or anything like that. It's really nope. shit. Well, Steiner and Medeja are right here now for one of Scott's big promos. 
you know, I've had a lot of sex here in Australia, and all the women's had orgasms, so they did. I, 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 at this point, I realize that the concept of faking orgasms is there for people like Scott Steiner. Not for the people who won't think they'll be able to provide them, but for the man who will earnestly cut a 10-minute promo about how he definitely did. Can you imagine <laughs> aftercare from Scott Steiner if you didn't reach, and I quote, the big O in the sky and go to Nirvana. <laughs> and then, Sorry, Scott, actually, do you mind just watching for me? Well, okay, but my hand's going to get pretty tired, I guess. I do, I've been, I, all right, fine. Did you see the big O now? I've tried. I, I don't want to do it anymore. The big O in the sky. The big O in the sky. Come on now. <laughs> my uh, my favorite line here, and again, one of the big moments of the night that made me pop and actually laugh, is merely the way that Scott Steiner says, Perth! <laughs> it's very penetrative enunciation, it is. isn't it? Yeah. Very plosive. Did you hear when the watch chant started and he literally just like, looked at the crowd as in like i am not engaging in this like no yeah like don't you fucking start like the, i'll stop the promo like you'll you just won't hear me then <laughs> that's all it'll be he says that cricket australian rules football and rugby are and i quote sissifies which uh all right that's that's okay that's it i mean i will say having went to a school that participated in more than its fair share of rugby and having known more than the average number of 15 year olds with concussions and broken backs and broken necks and arms all of those uh, and and actually compound fractures of the tibia and fibia i know Oof. that as well and all of that happened before the age of 17 so i would Jesus. say the claim that rugby is sissified even at a child's level is probably not warranted scott is it now is it really but australian rules football that is for wimps we can all agree on that no, That's it's, for it, and again i would say australian rules football which has some of its Roots in Gaelic football here in Ireland. Again, that's a fucking hard-ass game. It's not... It ain't sissy at all. All I'm saying, Scott, just because your brother Rick Steiner puts on a headgear to open a fucking Shoney's doesn't mean that everything else is sissified, okay? You big girl's bras. Is it Australian rules football where to decide, you know, who gets the kickoff, they have to kick each other in the head as hard as they can? Like, uh, I is it that one? I think that may be New Zealand you're thinking of. Ah, uh, sorry, my bad. After the match, he says he's going to beat up all the fans, and that's it. <laughs> Say no more. The defender of Australia, the crown jewel of Bongo Bongo Road, is here. It is Fuck the man. front row, Nathan Jones. <laughs> here he is, and he's ready to get it on right now, Kevin, in the middle of the show. He's got the standard, like, oh, I'm going to kick your ass. He's just a very yep. generic. Looks like a fucking million. He looks like a titan. He looks so fucking big. He is a huge, huge, long man. And his accolades are many. He's a powerlifting champion. He won the World's Strongest Man title several times. He has, mm. on paper, probably, very comparable credentials to Mark Henry. Without any of the mm. supposed motivation issues that they said Mark had throughout his career. How he didn't become a big star is beyond me. I don't know. Maybe that role in Troy was too much to turn down. Maybe. I mean, I, at this point, I was looking up whether Nathan Jones is related to Vinnie Jones because I got such big Vinnie energy. You know, do you yeah. remember at Capital Carnage the way he was like, and after I'm done here, I'm going to go backstage and I'm going to find Vince McMahon and I'm going to beat him up. Yeah, the yeah, same yeah. kind of energy big here. Big shark like, energy yeah, these lads have. Yeah, you can say the tough guy words, but unless you can deliver it like the tough guy, no one's going to buy it. With both of these guys, I'm kind of in between saying, like, they've got street shark energy, for sure, 
But mm. I would go one further for the, my, my, my true Vin Diesel OG Street Shark fans out there who know what they're talking about. He's not a Street Shark, is he? He's a Seaviot, isn't he? He's one of the evil baddies with Dr. Paranoids. He would be. They'd, they'd mutate a sea cucumber to make Nathan Jones and it'd be all like, look how bulging and bald I am, you know? I will stress all of the listeners should go out of their way to look up Vin Diesel advertising street sharks at a toy fair from like 1997, whatever it was. And I'm not even going to say it other than just go watch street sharks. They fight. They yeah. fight. They stand for everything right. If you're a mm-hmm. subscriber to Street Sharks magazine, I did have an image mm. published in there in 2000. And oh. it, it, it's out there. It's just, you know, it's part, of the, it's part of the canon now. And before these two can get into it and fight in the middle of the show, out comes Psycho Sid. Uh. To which Scott Steiner's like, Psycho Sid, I broke your leck. And Sid <laughs> has said that in response to that. He will be the enforcer here tonight, and people will get to see what they want to see, which is an Australian heavyweight champion for the WWA in Nathan Jones, and then, fuck me, he tries hard to get a Nathan chant going. Oh, Nathan. It reminded me so much of Nathan for you to see a big man go, come on, everybody! Nathan! Nathan! But Psycho Sid wasn't able to get the crowd to cheer for me. And as a result, my tenure in the WWA came to an unspectacular end. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of like, this is going to be a very physical main event. We need an enforcer. Get me the tallest man with a limp and a cane that you can find and put him in charge of keeping these two in line. He's just doing what, like, this is what Brett would have done. Like, this is exactly, Mm. other than that I broke your leck, that's the only bit that's different about this. Coming up next, it's time for some cruiserweight action highlights. And your mind would be going, oh, it's going to go. No. No, no, no. You have an N64. You don't get the second stanza. At least the highlights package wasn't a blurry 64-bit gif of the action, but it was close to that. They made the mistake of including some commentary in the highlights package, which really underscored to me, like, look how great our audio quality was last time. Like, it's like you can hear what they're saying. But like, now back to the actual show. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why they included this, because all this showed you was that look at all these people we don't have anymore. Yep. And, like, you've already seen AJ Styles be spectacular. I was going to say you didn't see Jerry Lynn being spectacular, but he got a whole video package earlier as well. So, he did. Like, if you wanted to see what Shark Boy and Daniels looked like again, you know, there you go. There they are. I just saw this and thought, where are my luchadors at? Because they were heavily featured here and nowhere to be seen. Coming up next, Jerry Lynn. Versus AJ Styles for the assumedly vacant International Cruiserweight Championship for the WWA. Jerry Lynn is announced by Mark Erickson as being from Minipis, Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because I actually had a little break there because I had to go up and take a Minipis myself. This was beautiful in many respects. The crowd did their best to ignore the 
future-like wrestling they were seeing in the ring. I, I feel like we did our best to ignore the wrestling we were seeing in the ring because it was this match where me and you started having a big old chat over Slack, like, how are you getting on over there, buddy? Just just chatting away. We, we <laughs> like... needed to help each other through this because usually speaking, we would watch these shows together and it's always like when mm-hmm. there's a really bad show, we think if you watch it together, we can at least talk about some of the stuff we might talk about or, you know, yeah. we, we, can, we can figure out like what our approach will be and such. And you were feeling quite miserable watching this yesterday and we were chatting and then I said to you, well, it's times like this because it was a grey day as well. It was times like this that I miss you the most during this whole lockdown business. But then I realised that if we watched it together, we probably would have gotten an hour in and we had to go home and watch it again. So... (laughs) So, in many respects, Adam, I'm glad I didn't see this with you. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's a silver lining. I'll tell you, another silver lining here is I realised something about Jerry Lynn that I've always had on the tip of my tongue but never been able to verbalise. Because mm-hmm. obviously I don't know a lot about him. He's someone that I've seen a couple of times. But I finally realised who he reminds me of is a young Randy the Ram from The Wrestler. Absolutely. You're absolutely he's got that look. He does. He's got the same body type as well. He's not the tallest guy yep. in the world, but he's got the, the, the shoulders, the traps. Yep. Uh, and also as well, I would say in ring style because Randy the Ram was an innovator in his day. He was a high flyer, but he could go on the mat with the best of them. And much like Jerry Lynn, found himself in hardcore environments very often as hey, well. There you go. And, that, and this match ended with Jerry Lynn on the top rope doing, giving it all this, and then it just cut to black, didn't black it, Kevin? as well, you know. I was just yeah. saying, Jerry Lynn, if you don't come out to welcome to the jungle, <laughs> Disco twice in this match goes, wow. Sweet, comma, shin music there. Basically trying to, like, co-opt the phrase. I mean, what? Yeah. <sighs> like, I... It's just nicking. It is. I'm like, you know when you had, like, WCW where you like, Ric Flair going, let me lay the smack down for you, brother. And it's like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, it makes me feel so bad. This is even worse because it's fucking hackneyed and contrived. Yeah, and, and when you're such a fucking small-time league as well, would you stop fucking referencing and comparing yourself to the big guys? I think I have gotten, personally, I think it's because I'm watching a lot of wrestling on my own now compared to recent times, I think I've gotten a little bit better at being able to watch something with a shitty crowd and still kind of appreciate what I'm seeing. But Jesus mm. Christ, the crowd made it challenging because you've got AJ and Jerry Lynn there and these guys had great matches in TNA as well. These ads are giving it their all and you get a big ECW chant and then when that doesn't pick up steam, you get a boring chant. And that's a show. He's boring. Like, like, he does the Styles Bomb, which is like a really cool move that AJ only did earlier on in his career. And they're like, boring. <laughs> Boring chance. Fuck these guys. I can't believe of all the matches tonight to get a boring chant. This one? They do the kind of pinfall sequence. You know, when you're on the ground, sunset flip, mm-hmm. the bridge, the flip over, the mm-hmm. cradle. I could watch that for days. Having seen that live and actually getting to see the kind of the actual physical struggle when someone does it really well, it's amazing. There's nothing quite like seeing yeah. it. And I certainly appreciated that more as a fan these days than when I was a kid. But like when they're doing like the, the one, two, reversal, one, two, the crowd started laughing on the kickouts. Oh, for fuck's laughing. laughing. Like it is the equivalent Come of like on. some like like the Royal Shakespeare Company doing like this like fucking beautiful performance. People are like, ha ha, Ian McKellen yeah. saying girly words. Ha ha <laughs> Do Gandalf, you big old prick. <laughs> oh, what's the matter? Can you not pass? Hey. It felt disrespectful to the artiste AJ Styles and the artiste Jerry Lynn. Yeah, legit. 
AJ kicks out of the cradle pile driver, which is like a big moment. Like AJ very much, they have plans for him here. I think very much over in TNA, they're like, we have plans for him too. So they're, yep. like, that's Yoink. why TNA within a year put the world title on AJ way before he's ready to, because they're like, come here, please. <laughs> Styles Clash, we get a kick out from that as well. AJ gets mm. the win with the Phoenix Splash. Truly spectacular offense. Ruined in ways I didn't think possible because it's one thing to see it to silence because I'm used to watching wrestling in silence at the moment, but seeing it to laughter. Like, yeah. the closest thing that was is when they're doing Raw with the Performance Center recruits and Randy Orton is like, Edge, I ended your career. I took your shoulder from you. Randy Orton, yeah! Fuck me. You know? It's a, it's a different kind of bad crowd that we're experiencing these days. But just took me right out of it, Adam. I, and I felt yeah. I felt robbed. AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn. I looked at the card and I thought, I got AJ and Nova and AJ and Jerry Lynn. And actually the show made the crowd get to a point where they made this... I wish this was one first. Rune yeah. Nova and AJ instead. Ah, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Time for a video package about oh, suicidal, homicidal, genocidal, death-defying maniac, Sabu. They fucking, they basically show the whole match. This one is such a long package. It went, I fast-forwarded, I actually did, I fast-forwarded. Yeah, no, same, same, I, I had to skip ahead because I was, at this point in time, I was getting so aggravated, I fast-forwarded, and as if the WWA was punishing me from the past, then they go, the following contest is a cage match, making his way to the ring. Sabu! No, 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 stop that! Fonzie couldn't get, obviously, plane ticket or 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 airfare or whatever it is. Clearly, yeah, he's not here. Speakers by his absence. Uh, Devin Storm here. Uh, Adam, it's been pointed out that you have got serious memory relapses about Devin Storm, a.k.a. Crowbar. Literally, I swear to God, my first note here for this match is make Kevin tell you about Devin Storm bumping out of his pants. So if you could remind me of that one more time, please, Pat. Yeah, I, I just love it as well. Like, he's, uh, we got this a couple of tweets where someone's like sent uh, a picture of Mr. Burns and Smithers where he's like, who is this <laughs> Adam, that's Devin Storm, one of your canvas softeners from Sector WWC. Or, canvas or we could also say, uh, that's Devin Storm, Mr. Bibolo, one of your pant bumpers from Sector WWC. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, there's no technical ecstasy here tonight for Devin Storm. What we still get is the truck audio making its way back, which we had missed for the last Fuck few me. matches. That's great. And they tell us on commentary, this is not about escaping the cage. It is about using the cage as a weapon. Falls count anywhere in the building. And it's not about escaping the cage, Disco. It's about using it as a weapon. Basically, Sabu said, I ain't doing it unless I can leave the ring and do pinfalls. Yeah. I'm not doing an escape. Fuck that shit. No. I will say, I am um, someone that is definitely not a fan of this. Escaping doesn't matter. You can only win by pinfall. I think it's bogus. I think it's really shitty. Yeah. But in defense of WWA, this whole, the cage is only there to be used as a weapon. That's better justification than I've ever heard before for having one of these yeah. pinfall only matches. That actually makes a little bit of sense. The fact that Sabu and Devon Storm have had a few matches, which have all been like, it's the extreme match of the night that 
it mm-hmm. actually felt fitting. It, the fact that yeah. if these lads weren't able to leave the ring and do the few spots that they did, this show would have been missing the bare minimum of like highlight package worthy material. Because yes. much like Revolution, 99% of the stuff that's going to make its way onto an opening package or anything to hype it up will be Devin Storm and Sabu here, who, uh-huh. who bleed, who go off the top rope, who go off the top yeah. of the cage, who go through tables over and over and over and over a lot a lot and again i think this is becoming a trend with wwa i'm pretty sure this is the longest match on the card yeah. they always give these guys a lot of time well sabu has to get all his shit in and this is kind of like the match has yeah. very little psychology it's like you do your shit then i do my shit and that's pretty much yeah. what happens here highlight pretty of course much. was sabu taking out the negotiation spike in the middle of the camel clutch <laughs> to uh introduce it to devon storm's forehead over and over and over again so that was a spike, was it? It was a spike. He pierced Devin's head on a spike. I thought it was a screwdriver, and literally all I got immediately was horrible flashbacks to 2014, whatever it was. Dean Ambrose with a, a puppet of Seth Rollins, like, this Sunday, I'm going to screw you, Seth. Hey, let me hammer home the point in case you haven't saw what I'm saying yet. And the low light of the production errors happened during this match, which, in spite of myself, I was getting into just because I was expecting and anticipating Sabu or Devin Storm or both to do a big spot, which they were going mm-hmm. to be doing. Jesus didn't make you work for it, though. But during the match, in one of the low points, you can hear a mobile phone go off on the truck audio over the fucking mics. Like, that is so bad. And I remember telling Joe this because I was so incredulous. And she's like, was someone ringing them to tell them that the truck audio is still coming through? (laughs) Which led me to... You just hear him in the background. What do you mean the truck audio is coming out? You tell him he's got four minutes. (laughs) JB doesn't really know what to say here. He's tired. Like a car wreck, Mm. Disco. You hate to turn away, but you can't help us. Wait, what? You hate... You hate to turn away? All right, I guess, I mean... You know, I want to have a proper look at the gore. I want to see the juice, you know? Oh, Jesus. There's like borderline weird Tom Cruise Scientology. Like, you walk past a car and you you can't help but you want to look away. But you know you can't because inside you there's something there, old bro. Like, what are you talking mm. about, man? Fucking weird. Sabu gets his shit in, so he does a top rope cage moonsault. He then dies doing a top rope cage moonsault. Devin Storm leads the cage. He gets booed as people think that's the end of the match because they weren't yep. told. He grabs a barricade. He sets it across the ringside area. Disco Inferno chimes in while this is happening. He went outside to do some uh, interior decorating outside. Now, interior decorating. No, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Because you hear what he said at one point. He went, he, that, that was 2.99 repeating what? Uh, when someone kicked out. Uh is it? Do you know, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's as close to three as it can get, baby. And he was just bringing a little mats there onto... Uh, you like that, did you? Old, uh, yeah. Like, I love mats, <laughs> and even I feel bad about bringing it up here on this podcast. And if I was on a live pay-per-view in Australia, I wouldn't be trying the fucking binomial sequence material <laughs> just at that moment in time. <laughs> but that's just me. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Double tables mm. are set up. We get a fucking suplex through the barricade. Then Devin Storm goes off the top of the cage as if there's nothing wrong with him. Through two tables to Sabu. And then they're back inside the ring immediately. Yeah, they they are both on the... So long. 
they're both on the outside of the cage, selling, like, absolutely dead. The referee's there, like, about to do a double count-out spot and, like, say, oh, the match can't carry on. Another ref comes out and is like, no, no, there has to be a winner. And then both guys just fucking spring to their feet and get back in the cage again, like, immediately. I think they've been told they've got four minutes. Yeah, so legit, legit. Yeah, all right, Bischoff has got three-minute warning, but I think that Andrew McManus should have four-minute warning <laughs> and be his, like, enforcers that show up. I'm not sure who would be in four-minute warning. Maybe Chronic could be oh. the muscle. And then we need someone to... Alan Funk could be the Rico role, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> the last few sequences, as we have a very wonky table that immediately had Botchamania alarm bells oh, yeah. in my ears. So we got one chair throw in the match, and it was a beautiful donk. It was like jumping on a crusher in Donkey Kong levels of... He got him square on the head. The chair opened. Yep. It made a low gwonk. It was great. If it was a carnival game, he would have won the big teddy bear for that throw. Like, it was so spot on. Oh, so good. We get Fireball from Sabu, which really, <laughs> really got a reaction from the crowd. And then in the most Sabu thing ever, mm-hmm. and to the point of which I was like, had to rewind it just to make sure I'd seen it. Sabu pops up top quick as he can to do a top rope moonsault. Sorry, a top of the cage moonsault through Devon Storm on the wonky table. He lands and he somehow turns the table into like a crescent moon shape the, mm. the opposite way around. <laughs> and then Sabu doesn't even sell it. He gets up and starts going, fuck, 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 fucking fuck it. Mm-hmm. And then gets up even quicker and then just goes, meh, and jumps right through the table. The commentary trying to sell it. And you've JB going, no, Sabu, one was enough. One was devastating. But two, two may kill Devon Storm. He may never Fuck wrestle off. again. Like, oh, my Christ. God. Sabu wins. Yep. Off he goes. <laughs> what a fucking train wreck. Oh, my God. It was... It was more patently obvious that these guys were out here to provide a couple of table breaks than the last two. And it, it was... Very obvious that's what they were here for. It was shamelessly obvious. And then, after this grotesquely violent car crash of a match, for some reason, this is where they decide to tell us. We get lots of shots of, like, children in the crowd. Here's some families here together. And, folks... Some really bad signs. And, folks, we're going to be going on tour, the WWA. We're going to be doing a European tour, and uh, we're going to take one lucky fan with us on tour. And they show shots of children, like, they're going to take... Like, they're just going to take a random kid on tour with this company can you imagine going up to a child afterwards did you like the wrestling show no would you like to go on a 13 hour flight Mm. and watch it in a strange place that you don't like no well the problem is billy you made that good poster didn't you (laughs) and it it says eruption on it and you put the sparkles and the crepe paper and it's just too good i'm sorry you're coming to york oh Oh, there was one kid as well that I felt especially bad for because he was wearing a Slapnuts t-shirt, which means either someone dressed him like that or he's a massive double J mark and he didn't get to see him tonight. The, the sad Sting fan, the, the Raw after WrestleMania, <laughs> the sad Jeff Jarrett flat in, in Perth, Australia. <laughs> Fucking hell. Coming up next. Okay. It is now time for our evening gown matchup. Oh, yes, okay. indeedy. And uh, there are my two Christmas crackers mm. and I wouldn't mind pulling one of those. <laughs> Queen Bee, yep. who is a penthouse pet, which is like a Playboy playmate, mm-hmm. but with penthouse instead. Yep. Uh, so she would be a name in the Australia soft pornography world. Yes. I don't think she has 
any wrestling training at all. Nope. I think the extent of her involvement is this and a couple of other shots that they did for WWA. Mm. I can't remember if they had those four women in the first one. Was she one She of was, them? yeah, because in that first was, in that yeah. first one they referred to her exclusively as Penthouse Pet, like that was her name. So this is obviously a gangrel white wolf yeah. trademark situation <laughs> going on here. You know, she was known as Queen Bee because it was forbidden <laughs> by the penthouse. I don't think Medeja's ever wrestled either. Like, she was a WCW woman, which basically meant you stood in the corner of some big white blonde guy going, yeah, you're cool and sexy and definitely not a loser. So, Medeja, I'm pretty sure she was part of that Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff hiring frenzy where it's like, they got Trish Stratus and Tori over there. They're, they're fitness models. Hire Medeja, yeah. a fitness model. Tori Wilson, a fitness model. Get all of the Nitro girls who are fitness models onto contracts because I think the NWO book in the show, guys, I think they liked the idea of having all these like muscular, sexy women be with them and not be like... like I think that's some sort of a weird 2000s flex. Yeah. This is a very, very 2000s women's wrestling encounter because two women who have no experience nope. and the one person who's meant to carry the match is Medeja and her sum total of experience is trying not to smile during Scott Steiner promos. Yeah, it's, it's exactly... It goes as well as expected. Yeah, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's the hair pulling, it's the rolling around. It's, it's that one thing that I really hate from like Attitude Era women's matches where it's not necessarily pulling hair but they just sort of grab your ears and go, shake you around. Then you roll over and she does it to you now. Like... Look, you look at Terry Rollins and Stacey Keebler, they know how to fake pull hair, right? They, can, they, they know how to do that. This was like, this was one of those things where you thought the thing that took no skill or whatsoever, you're like, oh, you know, how much, how hard could it be yep. to do a catfight? Well, actually, it's pretty fucking hard mm-hmm. because, you know, as, as schlocky and as poor taste as like the ECW catfights are or whatever, at least you had two women who you believably thought wanted to kill each other because nine times out of ten ECW, they did. <laughs> and here, seeing Nindesia go, no, not the face, not the face. And then Queen B is like, I understand. Also, please, not the face. Yep. <laughs> the two highlights of this were when Queen B shoved Medeja and then nearly fell over when she realized that her she they both have they both have the year two thousands like ladies wrestling valet boot, which is like the big clunky heel. Yep. So she like shoves Medeja and then she's like, shit, and she nearly falls of over course. because they are so fucking ridiculous. And then at one point, Medeja is meant to do like I think she's she thinks she's being really light and it's like, look, I'll just do a little eh, like a little shin kick. And she rears up with this big fucking Rammstein boot and just goes, huh! And the foot it was like when Devin Storm had the chair thrown at him. She fucking kills her and the Queen Bee falls down like a tree in the woods. Oh. And then her dress is removed. And then at the end, Theo and Puppet remove Medeja's dress. Why? And Medeja's like, Sorry. Ah! And runs off embarrassed. Sorry, what the fuck? We get the two little people back out here again to now strip a woman forcibly? What is that? And they're, fr- they're friends now, Theo and Puppet, it seems. Yep, yep, they seem to get on perfectly fine. They've got a united bond of pulling women's clothes off. Well, I think, and here was me trying to give this more credit than it deserves or would ever deserve. Isn't it meant to be because last month Steiner beat up the two guys after their match That's right. and he fucking killed them? So this is them getting their 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 receipt on Steiner, taking the dress off the, the head freak Medeja, Scott Steiner's main squeeze. Because you got to think, Steiner would be pissed. Like This is like 
Steiner and Medeja, it's not like Triple H and Stephanie, but it's kind of like, like, you know, it, it, she's protected. It's like mm. Hardy Boys and Leah. Like, she's kind of like, she's their guy. I don't even think it's like Trish and TNA because it feels like TNA are Trish's guys mm. where it feels like Medeja or like Tori, for instance. That's like Xbox girl. Yeah. Scott Steiner's girl. You don't mess with Scott Steiner's girl. So I thought something would come of this. Anything would come of this. Now, nothing comes of this. Nope, nothing. Like, Next match out, it's Scott Steiner versus Nathan Jones, yep. and Medeja's just there in her dress. Like, fine. She's not like, God damn it, or like no. putting her clothes back on, or like, Scott, you better get them. She's just there. Nothing happened. Each segment takes place in a vacuum. I get the feeling that that was maybe filmed at the end of the night, possibly, to send the crowd home happy, end on an evening Jeez. gown match, and All then right. slip it in earlier on in the show, maybe. Because, yes, yeah, spoilers for our main event here, folks. When Front Row's taking on the big bad booty daddy down under, it ain't going to be a happy ending uh-uh. for the folks, let's just say. I don't want to say this has got one night only vibes, but it's close. It's, yeah, it's not too far off with the fucking big hometown hero here to defend his honor and everything. It's very grisly. Love on the heel is the underdog as you've got good guy commissioner with an axe to grind against the challenger Sid Vicious and his best friend Nathan Jones, the hometown boy, taking on Scott Steiner, the outsider. All right. There is no pageantry for Nathan Jones. He walks out with an open mouth, literally going. (sighs) Well, well, he did have a little bit of pageantry because when he got in the ring, he did like a a spin kick like X-Pac would and that set off his cane pyro on the four posts like... Ooh. <laughs> Adam, I'm not going to lie to you. My anticipation was at a fever pitch here because there was only 18 and a half minutes left in the show. Come on, baby. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Scott Steiner wipes his ass with the Australian flag, again proving the point that patriotism in America takes on its own special form of whatever the hell I want it to mean. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, there was... I mean, they were rightly... There were booze in the crowd. Yeah. And... But it, like... Andrew McManus is thinking that, yeah, that's fine. And spoiler alert, Australia will not get the heat back later on tonight. No. Sid has a chat with the commentators, despite the fact that he has sat beside the commentators as an enforcer, and he has no headset. No. Nope. And folks, he is an active participant as the third man in the booth. Fuck me. It was so funny because, like, I think Sid was here to be like, I'm going to prove... That I'm more than just the master and the ruler of the universe. I'm going to prove that perhaps there is a future for me on the headsets. And that I have inside out analysis. Because he, he had Disco Inferno going, Ah, look at, look at Nathan Jones. I hope he gets beat up. And, uh, and, and Psycho Sid is telling me, JB, that strongman competitions are incredibly versatile. Which means that... Uh, that Nathan is probably a much more of a combination athlete than you would realize. He's got power and and strength and dexterity. Uh, okay, that's, that's good for now. You know, he, he keeps coming in with all these little fun bits that he's learned about. Yeah. Put a headset on him. He keeps interrupting. Shades of the big show in Kane with the corner. Oh, yeah, here. right in the corner, baby. Yeah, baby. Highlight of it was when they went to the ringside area and they bust some barricades. But it's your usual frail whale Scott Steiner, lack of meat, slapping meat. Mm-hmm. He's there walking around going, shut up! Yep. And then he'll leave the ring. 
like he doesn't want to sell for Nathan Jones, but he also doesn't want to make him look bad or do a lot of work. So it's a lot of posturing. He doesn't want to do anything, essentially, is what you're Pretty saying. Much. Jones is fucking knackered as well. He is worn out. More great JB commentary. Steiner being taken apart piece by piece by Scott Steiner. <laughs> <laughs> He keeps doing this. He's given up. Do you want to trade with Sid? Because I think he'll know who's who. Or if he'll figure out, you know those lone instances where wrestlers do things to themselves? <laughs> there's, he there's, might be able to earmark them. There is no way JB's going to be here next time, surely. He's done. He's fucking finished with this. It's the point that even if you needed him, I would say don't take him back because I think he'll do more harm than good. Because... As I've been the formerly motivated man in the room many a time in a lot of jobs that I've had, I think the only thing worse than someone who's not motivated is someone who was once full of motivation yep. and now you've proven to them that they will exploit oh, yeah. and ignore any such attempts to be motivated. Legit. So, yeah, I think that is for JB's best interest that TNA is calling him at the moment. Get this man on the spin cycle. Is there a more cursed phrase, Adam, than Scott Steiner puts the sharpshooter on Nathan Jones in Australia at the WWA eruption? <laughs> what the fuck? As Sid Vicious, without a microphone, interrupts the announcers as they try to make the call. Lots of submissions and heat by Scott Steiner. Yeah. My copy started getting some VHS. Like, you know, in five days after you watch this pay-per-view, Front Row's going to show up and give me a spin kick. <laughs> but look, they've worked on him over and over. It's time for the comeback for Front Row, Adam. Here we go. Here we go. Time to do it. Time to make Australia proud. Up top row. No. Have, you ever seen a, have you ever seen a big man fly? No. I believe I can fly. I can do a top rope clothesline. Oh no, I fucking oh. can't do it. I whiffed it and it looks like shit. <laughs> it was a, a bad night, Adam. You, you remember when Brett saw the sharpshooter happening in the ring and he was like, no, not this way. And he tried to break it up. I genuinely thought when we saw the big man, Nathan Jones, go to the top rope that Sid was going to be like, no, kid, think of your legs. Don't do it. Not like this. It only works against The Undertaker if you haven't shit your pants. <laughs> the crowd are sad and confused by this. Aww. Like, there was big boos. Yeah. The few rowdy fans, the lads who did the ECW chants, try and get a you fucked up chant. But I think people are leaving. Medeja, bootless, jumps off the top rope and begins her first of three spots which Steiner needs her to help negotiate the end of this match. Yep. Like, Steiner's meant to be in his peak. Yeah, I know. And Medeja is fucking, like, Colonel Robert Parker all over this, constantly interfering. carrying it. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, she's got the boots off, so because you know she's going to do a lot of spots. She's jumping off the top rope. You got... Also, I love as well that Medeja took her boots off for the interference for someone else's match but not when she was actually <laughs> wrestling a match she jumps off the top rope it's just a flop like nathan can't, like nathan barely looks like he can hold her nope. body weight he's like falling all over the place yep. like come on man we get a pin with the ropes from scott steiner but sid the man with the best timing tonight is the man with the fucking compound fracture he's there like no yeah that was a genuinely like oh wow just the last minute there mm -hmm. two and 99 repeating there psycho <laughs> Get some slow motion pins back and forth. Yeah, if they were laughing at Jerry Lynn and AJ Styles doing this, I'm sure they'll love you two fucking Thomas the Tank Engines doing Legit. this. Get a choke slam. Medusa beats up the referee. Sid comes in, teases a one-legged powerbomb to Medeja. As the crowd, if. Like, yeah, killer. Jesus killer. Christ. 
Bring out the big boot and kick her in the arse. That's how we do it here. Come on. There was two belt shots as well yep. during all of this sim- outside of what Medeja was doing. Mm-hmm. Then we get the Steiner recliner. Nathan, Nathan. He is in the Steiner recliner. A devastating maneuver. Front row, Nathan Jones, the bride of Australia. Will he submit? Will he Will he do it here for Australia? The fans are waiting for... And and he, he has passed out from the... He has passed out from the... From the Steiner recliner, your new WWE <laughs> champion is Scott Steiner. You hate to see it. He fucking passes out in Australia to a man sitting down. For fuck he, sake. He doesn't even like pass out and they ring the bell. He passes out and they do the whole drop the hand three times. Like they really yeah. put over how sad and slow this is. Like it was one night only, except one night only you at least felt... Like, Davey had an established legacy which could make people outraged. This is like saying Nathan Jones is just shit. Yep. He's not. Like, he can't have a legacy to tarnish. Yep. There is no legacy to tarnish. He is just tarnished. He shouldn't have been champion. Back. You wouldn't be doing this to hail in XWF. Oof. You know? You wouldn't be doing this to the big man, you know? And that's what they do. Sid congratulates Scott Steiner on winning this fucking miserable finish. The volcano goes off. Oh, for fuck's while sake. Well, Scott is there. Scott leaves. Then Sid starts cutting a promo as Disco calls Sid Vicious a failure. <sighs> Fuck me. So like, you have Sid go, congratulations. You did it. And you know that if I'm ever able to walk again, mm-hmm. and I can crawl by God's will. I'll be in there with you, Scott Steiner. And then Steiner's like, fuck you. He walks off. Yep. Then he's back. Yep. Sid's back as well. Sid's called a failure. One more time. Sid goes over to JB and he shakes JB's hand really sadly. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Have you ever seen a time, Adam, where a wrestling company has been like, get ready for this match, folks, and you're like, you're not within an arse's more going to be given. Like, you've got fucking Sid there, who's like... The little he's done, he's sweating bullets, he's shaking, his hand on his cane is wobbling. And he's like, I'll be in there against you, Scott Stein. I'm like, even if he could, do you want him? No, that is never going to happen. That is literally impossible. And I'm not saying, oh, because you'll stink the joint out. I'm saying it's dangerous. Scott Steiner and Sid is bad for business on every level. Well, I mean, at least they'll have Steiner signed to a nice fat contract now. So they've got a couple of years for Sid to get better and still have the option there. Yeah. Scott comes back again for a third time. By the way, folks, all this time Steiner's music has been playing, yep. which isn't like a special version. It's five minutes of siren yep. sound effect is going this whole time. And then I realized they've forgotten to do something. Like there's some promo that they were meant to do or a line they were meant to hit. So they're out to do the same bit again. again? And much like last time, as has become um, emblematic here of the oh. WWE, as has become custom here, JB is there going, Good night, folks. We'll see you next week. And, like, as he's literally saying, Good night, folks. We'll see you next time. You've got Sid going, Let me tell you something. <laughs> like, they're doing the quiet voice, like, start to the big promo. Like, and the gods will, if I'm there. And he's like, You'll never. I took your leg. I took your back. Fuck if you would think, Looking back two years ago to WCW, Good night, folks. <laughs> Turning the lights on and off, like oh my god, starrets are there, like dancing the parking yeah. lot. Come on, we'll just leave. Fucking I hell! Don't know, it was so fuck. It was so bad. It was so bad. Like 
There are wrestling shows that you think the people involved in retrospect would be like, oh my god, what was that? Yep. But you know that JB was fucking the headsets down. They were kicking over mm-hmm. the tables. Mm-hmm. Like, they had identified problems during the show the last time, and they were back with new problems! Strange new problems! This was somehow the worst one yet. I don't know how they yeah. keep doing this, Kevin. They keep finding new ways to make it worse and worse. Is there a show called WWA Retribution coming up? That's the next one, baby. It's Retribution. That, that's next, Retribution. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. We see you. We see you there now. <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad. It was the worst thing ever. You took even the things that were just intrinsically bad, like Brett's promo and stuff, and you found ways to make them worse, mm-hmm. like having Psycho Sid out there. Like, imagine if you had those first two shows, folks, and you had Brett there, but you would somehow convince Brett that he was going to come back and have a run with the belt at least brett knew mentally he was done yeah like at least he knew i've unfinished business but i'm not coming back yes he was aware of that and jesus my heart broke for psycho sid of all people i have no nostalgia i have no real love in my heart for him other than a few funny moments and gimmicks and promos he's had and i was i felt depressed watching him out here tonight it was so bad and it just goes to show you in wrestling that all the problems are not solved by contracts. No. Nope. And it certainly is salient now in 2020 to look at a wrestling company that has had loads of problems and it go, don't worry, we're fixing it. It's fixed. And then leaving the people who made the problems in the first place to fix them and tell us it's okay. Mm. Wrestling doesn't work well when there's no oversight. It doesn't work well when you start off with a small inner circle, get rid of people who dissent with you, and then you're left with a few fucking idiots telling you everything is great. It it shows you the poison that can seep into any wrestling company. New, old, it doesn't matter. If you're lazy and let people do whatever the fuck they want, they'll take the mickey, they'll make shit, and they won't do their jobs. This was the wrestling show where I think so few people turned in a performance worthy of saying that it was a performance or that mm-hmm. you know what you can say i did my job tonight because yeah. if i'm in that production truck you didn't do your job tonight can you imagine what the house shows must be like if this is the game they're bringing to pay-per-view oh my god yeah because you know that this is the a team we got yeah here. what's the b team what's the b is just andrew mcmanus on his own in the back have you got any big predictions for the next time we look at WWA, Kevin? Any personnel changes? Any big things on the horizon? I know that where we're at now, TNA is starting to run weekly pay-per-views. Mm. But I know that TNA is running at a incredible loss at this point in time. It's before they have the money from Panda Energy. It's before they have the cars involved. It's when it is literally, you know, the Jarrett's mm-hmm. and Vince Russo maybe trying to get something going. So I kind of feel like one sinking ship or one ship that is struggling to stay afloat is going to look over here for any sort of ballast possible. Mm. And I think that this this alleged co-promotion is actually going to be a covert strip mine operation. Because, <laughs> like, I just tell you, the show already seems like it's like... I've never watched a wrestling show where I thought that the wrestling show was somehow like mining cryptocurrency on my TV at the same time. That's what it felt like watching this here. So I think that Jarrett's coming in here and Jeff Jarrett is going to use whatever he can from the WWA to put some groceries in the Jarrett household tables. I think WWA is going to get sucked up by, by TNA 
and they're going to leave nothing left. Well, we've only got two left to go, Kevin, so it's, it may well be the case. What will happen at the Retribution? Ugh. Retribution! Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Adichero Podcast. And as always, if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher, leave us an old rating or review. And hey, word of mouth, during this trying time, anyone who needs a new podcast or is asking for one on Twitter, why don't you let them know about myself, Adam, and Billy, and the good, terrible work that we do here at the AE Podcast. Well, folks, as well, there's a little bit of an announcement with regards to the next episode. As we mentioned across some of our channels, we are waiting until the ability to record in a safe group with Billy in person is there so we don't beef up and fuck up our one chance at doing Survivor Series 1997 because goddamn, I'm not doing that shit again. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so where we're at at the moment is we're going to try and do some more bonus episodes and we're going to do a fan vote because I think we had an unexpectedly you know like more please response to WWA but we're not going to be ignorant and assume by WWA word that people want more WWA <laughs> so on the socials, there will be a vote this month with your chance to speak your brains and let us know which of the potential bonus episode topics you would like us to cover. And I should say, as always, if there are ever any kind of bonus content or bits and bobs that you think, oh, this might be a bit of fun, do email us, though, with any suggestions at adicherapodcast at gmail.com. Adam, where will people be able to find these polls on the socials? They will find them on facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast, which is also the same place where you can see a whole library of our video content. We have got tons <laughs> of clips from classic episodes, new episodes, and Patreon content, as well as some little previews of things like our video episodes, which you'll also find on Patreon. There will also be another poll which we'll be collating over on twitter.com where you can find us at AE Podcast. Don't forget, give us a like, give us a follow, caption, contest, all that good jazz keep in touch with us and feel free to share anything beautiful you found in the world of the attitude era and beyond if you want to get access to a little bit more bonus content hey do you see that best of smackdown crawl like the sound of some of the highlights from the first 10 episodes why not check out all 65 all hour long plus episodes some going up nearly to two hours you got 65 episodes of the smackdown crawl you got yourself a dozen episodes of the bibliotech hugely in-depth long-form podcast like we have here on the main timeline a whole selection of video episodes including gamesmanship cardsmanship q a episodes from all of us here at the ae podcast at the $10 backing and hey you want to get yourself a little bit of bonus content maybe you want to watch Spider-Man with Kevin and Adam mm. in your ear or Ready to Rumble with me Adam and Billy chatting about our thoughts on David Arquette all of these are available or a suite of commentary tracks now available exclusively for our backers at Patreon.com for one month become a Dan Severn tier backer get access to over a dozen that would normally have set you back nearly $80 but you can get for the low low one time price of $20 thank you to all of our backers on Patreon don't forget this show is a hundred percent fan and listeners supported big thanks again to brian zane for sponsoring the caption contest make sure you check out wrestling with regret on youtube but until next time it's going to be a goodbye from me kevin and me adam and we'll see you next time on whatever the hell you decide we're gonna do <laughs> on the attitude era podcast